0: Well, he didn't really make out with his mom. He did kiss her. She kissed him. It was very forced. She, <laughs> she, she me she is, him. Is, she she me- mouth raped him. him. Oh, wow. His mom sexually assaulted him. It was kind of gross.
1: These things happen in America, <laughs> <laughs> and no one's talking when about time time it. time travel, a, you know, there's
0: probably a whole uh, category for that on like YouTube. YouTube. What, what if he went Why? Back in, why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what if he went so back ew. in time and became his own father?
0: That is a theory. That yeah, that could have happened. I think I think stepmoms are a category. Oh, oh for sure.
1: For what porn?
2: Yeah. yeah. Why? Oh we, talking- well,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: <sighs> this this is a good. <laughs> we're on video right now. We're talking about porn. <laughs> this is a good clean episode, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna ruin it. I'm totally ruining this stupid movie. He's
1: got too much booze in him to expect him to do it uh,
2: clean. You're right. Booze. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. The following podcast may contain adult language and an abundance of salt, so get your flux capacitors ready, because we're talking Back to the Future. Welcome and thank you for listening to another episode of the Salty Nerd Podcast. I am your host, the Salty Nerd, and like I said, we're talking about Back to the Future, Part 1, 2, and 3. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm joined, as always, by my illustrious co-host, starting with the barbarian drunk space viking. Whoa!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Masticator of masticators.
2: (laughs) Masticator extraordinaire. What's up, V? How you doing, man? I'm drinking... uh, Champagne. Or a mimosa. We're very
1: fancy on the Salty Nerd
2: podcast.
3: I think
0: it's Spike's Tang. That's what it looks like.
1: All I had was tangerine juice.
0: Is that why it tastes different? It's the same thing. Okay, I gotcha. I just have to say before we get going... Yeah. This was some of Huey Lewis's best work. Of course, it agreed. Was. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, he was amazing. In power movie. of love music.
2: Amazing. Huey
1: Lewis was the first concert I ever went really? to in person, wow, yeah. you're so and I old. snuck in.
2: No. <laughs> like, I want a new drug. You're, I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. <laughs> love that. This is such a great scene. All right, I'm also joined by the ambassador of estrogen, Jude. Hello. Love your shirt. Oh, thank you. Showed off to the peeps. I'm your dense density. density. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it.
3: This show is ready to PG talk oh, everybody. We're on video. <laughs> I
0: don't know uh. what you
1: want me to do with
0: that. <laughs> Pretty soon <laughs> she's going to flop them out on the door. My,
1: my poor tits trigger Vader every fucking week.
0: Flop. There's your one. There's your one. Flop them out. I had to get it out before
1: you stole it.
2: Oh, man. All right. I'm also joined by the author extraordinaire, Matthew Kadesh. What's up, man? Not much. <laughs> Hey I everybody. love your responses. They're so tame compared to the <laughs> other side of the table.
4: I'm the one controlling the cameras, so like my focus is elsewhere. <laughs> the only right
2: one
1: not drinking. Yeah, he's hey, got his director
2: hey, hat hey on. everybody. Yeah, also the only one not drinking. Oh. You were. is it annoying to be the only sober one on Sobey?
3: the table? What is it like being a Sobe?
2: This <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Sobe Energy Water. <laughs> not really, not uh, we're really.
1: Off the rails already. <laughs> All
2: right, guys, let's get into it. Before we dive into these awesome, awesome '80s classics, uh, quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about Back to the Future, the 1980s classic starring Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. And uh, I freaking love this movie, and what I wanted to do today is kind of get an idea of everybody's first experience or their favorite experience with these movies. And and I'll start, just kind of get things rolling. Um, A big shout-out to my older sister, Audrey. I love you, Audrey. Um, Me and her, she raised me, I was, she's, 17 or 18 by the time I was born so, or something like that. So she's um, she's my my big sister, and she created that love of all things 80s for me. And uh, I grew up watching 80s movies with her, Back to the Future, Better Off Dead, John Cusack movie stuff like that. And when the 30th anniversary of this uh, movie franchise came out, they were showing the entire franchise uh, down there at the South Point Theater, and they had like a, a full-size DeLorean there. It's all done up. They had a couple of actors from the movies. They had cosplayers, all kinds of cool stuff. So me and her, she flew all the way from Pennsylvania out here to Vegas and went to this event with me. I dressed up like Doc Brown I had from uh, from the second movie. I had a big yellow suit with a red shirt and a clear tie and, like, the whole get-up. And uh, we went to the movie. She dressed up like Jennifer, and we went to the movies, and we sat through all three of these movies at once. And it was one of the, my favorite experiences going to the movies, especially with my older sister. So much fun. I love this franchise. Uh, everything about it is just it's just screams fun, nostalgic, like my childhood is, is in these three movies. So I had a great time. I only regret about that experience was I was wearing a giant yellow rubber suit for six hours in a the movie theater and I was hot and sweaty <laughs> and gross. <laughs> but it was totally worth it.
1: So it's just like when you get off
3: work.
2: Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, V, what's your uh, what's your experience with these uh this trilogy? Do you um, do you have a nostalgic memory of I, these? I really don't. <gasps> Um, I feel so th- bad for you.
0: We we've had this discussion.
2: This not for the new
0: listeners. This,
1: this <laughs> Vader doesn't feel things. No, I, I <laughs> How do. How dare you? I, I
0: listen, I get it. I get the nostalgia for this movie. I it's they're they're awesome, fun, well made, well written, extremely well. I've that. I, I say well done already. I yeah, did. but that's okay. But but you know they're 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 good movies. They're not. They just never clicked for me like they did with you. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it was just uh, the age I was when they came out. I think I was 15 when the first one came out. 85, right? Yeah. Then the other ones were 90, 91? Mm-hmm. No, the last one was 80, 90. 80, 90. 89 and 90. So, yeah. it's like, when I was 19, 20, I, I really wasn't caring about Michael J. Fox movies. Oh, that I was, makes me sad. I was, I was busy going to concerts and doing mm-hmm. stuff I probably shouldn't do. Dude, be doing. badass shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, um, this these movies never really resonated with me like they like they should because so I feel like I should be in that group of people that really love these movies yeah like seventeen years because, old I... because I'm not saying they're not good movies they're great they're great movies but they've always been kind of like third tier fandom <gasps> kind of movies for me third, yeah. <laughs> explain that what do you um, mean um you know well there's like Star Wars and Star Trek and then there's so the massive fandoms yeah and then there's you know everything else <laughs> <laughs> and this is like. Like in the middle of everything else for me. Okay. This is like kinda like maybe uh there with like your other favorite Jurassic Park Mm -hmm. kind of level movies for me. So but they're but they're fun, they're cool. And I completely like them and think they're think they're good. I'm I am maybe it's just Michael J. Fox. I've never been a bit Michael J. Fox guy. The only my favorite movie with him in it is is the Peter Jackson movie where he where he's
4: The Frighteners. The Frighteners. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so which we haven't watched on the show ever.
4: And we should. We probably should. We will. So. Jude. We'll watch it with bad taste and uh,
3: no, <laughs> we no, we will we'll not, not. Watch bad taste again. <laughs> we absolutely will not do that.
2: Uh, Jude, what is your uh, experience with Back to the Future?
1: I have seen this movie a million times. This is my dad's favorite movie. So nice. growing up, this was on a lot. I can quote this movie backwards and forwards. Um, and I, I still love it. And, and every time I see it, I think of my dad and just hanging out in the living room, him in his lazy boy chair, and us just watching this movie on repeat through, throughout my
2: teenage years. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, um, I let my five-year-old watch this movie and he freaking loves it, dude. He, he, he like sings the theme song in his head when he's walking <laughs> around the house. And I, I, I had to like, he started watching it like, like kids do. They watch movies over and over and over again. Like, Let's watch Back to the Future. And then he started talking like Biff. And he's like, <laughs> that son of a bitch. And I'm like, oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not watch that movie so much. But no, I, I'm so happy that I was able to pass that love on to the next generation. Like my kid loves Michael J. Fox. He loves Back to the Future movies. It's one of his favorite along with Jurassic Park. So this is definitely like a staple of my nerd Brain and uh, I have a ton of fun with it. I, so. I think
0: <laughs> I think trying to picture Michael J. Fox as like this semi kind of juvenile delinquent kid <laughs> doesn't really a skateboarder. Like yeah, badass. Just, I, I don't think he's the. I don't maybe
1: he, is he Alex P. Keaton to you? Kind of,
0: kind of. Yeah, I, I don't know. But
1: with the elbow, pieces. I mean, I, I
0: can't say that. I can't sit here and say that he was miscast because he wasn't. It just Doesn't jive with me. (laughs) It's like I don't see Michael J. Fox as like this pseudo, this pseudo guitar playing, skateboarding kind of, sort of juvenile delinquent kid that they're trying to make him be in the beginning of this movie. Because he comes off as completely wholesome.
3: Yeah,
2: you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he doesn't have the edge.
0: No, that's it. He doesn't have an edge to play. What they were trying to make him be.
2: The wannabe rock star. Kid. Right, yeah. right, right. The skateboarding wannabe rock star. But yeah. you know, it's funny though, because Michael J. Fox actually did play guitar and he did yeah. love skateboarding. Yeah. So he kind of fit into that mold. But I guess I kind of see what you're saying. He doesn't have well, that. It, that it's also age.
4: important to point out that Michael J. Fox was like the third Marty McFly right. that they cast. Yeah. <laughs> um, originally, they had. um, Anthony Michael Hall, Anthony yeah. C. Hall, something like that. And he never he got past the the script reading stage. And then they cast uh, Eric Stoltz. Mm-hmm. And Eric Stoltz, um, they actually shot for like two weeks with him. In, five like, weeks. Five weeks, something yeah. like that. And uh, then, and he was more of that, what Vader was talking about, like, you know, rock and roll, rebel type style. And it didn't work. And mm-hmm. so they went back and uh, luckily around this time, uh, originally they had approached Michael J. Fox about, the role and because of his commitment to family ties at the time, he wasn't able to do it scheduling wise. But around the time that they fired Stoltz, um, Meredith Baxter Burney uh, was pregnant. And so like they had to like do a kind of like a hiatus for, um, for her pregnancy uh, for the show. And so Michael J. Fox's uh, schedule suddenly opened up and that basically allowed him to uh, basically shoot this while doing a uh, family ties at the same time. And it was just kind of like, I think fate, because in my opinion, he's perfect for this role. I
2: yeah. agree. Uh, so speaking of, uh, Kadish, what was your experience with uh, Back to the Future? So I was like seven years old when this movie came out. And,
4: and so my only experience of this film was on VHS basically. And this is one of my all time favorite movies. Like I, I love this movie. And um, it had a big impact on me. It, it was a, a big impact in me wanting to go into filmmaking. And even uh, my main, my character, Earthman Jack, who I've written, um, you know, a series of books about was heavily influenced by Marty McFly, yeah. the character of Marty McFly. And, uh, you know, the time travel stuff, which is also in my books and things like that, like all of it was very much influenced by you know this trilogy of film. And uh, I, I've actually, I've spent time studying these movies, like when I was in film school, I'd Watch these movies a million times and di- dissect them apart. And uh, the screenplay for this movie is almost perfect. Like, um, in fact, it's basically taught in UCLA screenwriting mm-hmm. classes as the perfect screenplay. And like when they when they teach you about setting up stuff and paying it off, mm-hmm. and foreshadowing, and character arcs, and things like that, they use this movie because this movie has all that stuff. Oh, it's it's picture inc- perfect. It really
0: is incredible. The the setup and payoff throughout the whole series yeah
2: even things you're not paying attention to like the the twin pines and lone pines like Mm -hmm. it's never referenced audibly by anybody in the in the movie but you if you're watching it you're like oh that's set up and payoff from when it was lone pines and he crashed into the pine tree now it's single pine like it's cool stuff like that that the you can tell that these screenwriters really cared it's also stuff like for
4: instance every movie has a scene where they lay out the plan you know where they have like the the model of of the town and they tell you exactly what they want to happen. And so by the time you get to that climax, you can start having stuff go wrong and you can start like, you know, having obstacles thrown in there and the audience knows what's supposed to happen because they bothered to explain it to the audience early on in the film. Right. And that gives them the freedom to mess with it later on because the audience has a clear idea of what's going to happen. So strictly from a writing perspective, like these movies are so picture perfect um, that uh, you know, you, you have to appreciate them in terms of it's like, like their their filmmaking. They spend value.
0: they spend ninety seconds telling us the whole point of the movie. Mm-hmm. This is what's supposed to happen, and then they're just going to fill in the the fun stuff. They let <laughs> the movie play out. Yeah, yeah it, it was it's really brilliant. It yeah. really is done very well. Yeah,
4: and so, so few movies do that nowadays. It's yeah, like, they it's, gloss it's like, over. It's like people have forgotten how to tell a, a decent story.
2: I think they they overest. I don't want to sound like I'm I'm disparaging the audience, but I think film. Writers or writers now. Thank you, blah. Film creators nowadays are. I feel like they're thinking that the audience has been watching movies as long as I've been watching movies, so should they should be able to pick up on this kind of thing? But they forget the very basics. Like, let's set this up so that anybody can just step into this movie and catch right on and know exactly what we're trying to do, as opposed to just assuming that they're all like the writer and they all already know these things. And this is, you know, it's in my head. So everybody else should be able to tell what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to put on, on the screen. But this is, it's, it's just so much freaking fun, dude. Mm -hmm. I never get tired of watching this movie. These are are fun movies. But even like every
4: character in the movie has a character arc. Mm -hmm. Every character um, transforms by the time the movie's over and it's a satisfactory transition. It's not something that just comes out of nowhere. So like, I, I mean, this movie is just, like, it's a five-star masterpiece, in my opinion. Vader says that there's, like, a, you know, it's, like, third-level fandom. I disagree with that. <laughs> I totally disagree with that, because I I, I think that it, it might not kind of encourage, like, major yearly conventions or something like that, but the fandom for Back to the Future is just so hardcore, and I think that the reason that it's not a bigger thing is because Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, the... the two producers and writers behind this movie. They are the gatekeepers to this and they haven't allowed it to kind of get, get kind of screwed over by Hollywood by making it a bigger thing. Like what happened with star Wars and Disney. Um, They haven't allowed a remake to happen. They haven't allowed a sequel to happen. Um, So they've been very protective of this. And I think that that might've kind of kept it from reaching like the the level of fandom that I think Vader was looking for. Well,
0: I hope they never do. Well, not in their lifetimes because this, these, these movies are special. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I say third level, or second level, or whatever, I just what I mean by that is just it's not the fandom isn't up there with the big two or three. Yeah, right. I mean, there's a lot of different. I get what you're saying. There's a lot of it's different like, levels. Uh, you can't. A, but but you know, everybody who likes Star Wars that I know loves these movies. Yeah, but we're not out there. We're not out there going to Target and buying every Marty McFly toy that we can find. Right? Yeah, but, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So I,
4: I don't know. Do you remember when um, Jude, when we? Uh, went to Back to the Future Day where yes. it was it was August twenty fifth, uh, two thousand fifteen, something like that. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, and uh, we went to this uh, local casino mm-hmm. and basically it was Back to the Future. People were in cosplay. Mm-hmm. They had mm-hmm. like three or four different DeLoreans out there. I have a
1: picture upstairs with me and Doc Brown and me and Biff.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, alternate future Biff. Yeah. Nice, but there's
0: not there's, there's there's not a, a a Back to the Future con every year at the Rio. Yeah. yeah. Not like Star right. Trek. Or, or or there's not a, you know, there's not a back to the future celebration in Anaheim every year.
2: Yeah. I yeah. get what you're saying. So I understand
0: what you're saying. It just that's, all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm not taking anything away from people who love these movies because they're cool. They're good. Yeah. But the, the but,
4: character, like everyone knows these movies. Everyone knows these characters. The DeLorean's mm-hmm. probably one of the most iconic movie cars, movie cars, like yeah. ever, ever, like yeah. everyone oh, knows the,
0: Doc Brown. It's the number one. Totally. Movie,
2: movie yeah. car. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think so? Oh, yeah. Over... What, what what I guess yeah you I guess even the any, I can't even think of any but yeah the Batmobile I guess yeah. would be no, the no only I, other I, one.
0: I, uh, Batmobile. They're right there together, aren't they? The,
2: the Batmobile
4: Which changes was, though. Yeah. The DeLorean's yeah. always the same. I, yeah, that's the true.
1: Radmobile from Encino Man?
4: never <laughs> nope <laughs> and in fact john delorean actually actually um sent robert zemeckis a thank you letter for immortalizing his car because yeah. i think without this movie the delorean probably would just been just flash, flash in the the maybe, yeah. maybe
0: maybe a kitten generally but not not oh really. general yeah <laughs> but, yeah
4: you know it's but the De- it's they, so they iconic can't,
0: they canceled the generally so you know whatever. Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, You're gonna I'll have,
1: have ask, to edit ask. that out. No, they're not.
0: No. no they're assholes. Yeah. All right. So can, let's um, they cancel the car. Yeah,
1: can we um actually talk about the movie? Yeah, we can talk and, about the movie. And, and, and Jude. Maybe not our feelings so much. Are you ready? Oh, yeah.
2: God. <laughs> Jude, are you ready. I need more booze now. Tell us what happens in this movie All right. real quick. Uh
1: 1985, Back to the Future. It was rated PG with a runtime of one hour and 56 minutes. It had a budget of 19 million. Alex, what do you think it brought in in the box?
2: Michael J. Fox in this prime.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going
2: to say 85 million. Vader? You are way wrong. <laughs> what do you say? I'm, I'm saying like 290, 300 million. Holy Jesus. In the 1985? Yeah. Okay. This was a big movie. Jude?
1: 381 million.
2: God damn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, and I was way off and I was under. So. <laughs> That's really so. awesome.
1: Doc Brown steals some plutonium from Libyan nationalists to power his time machine. During a test run at the mall, he's found, shot, and killed. Marty, his teenage friend, jumps into the time machine to escape the assassins. But when the DeLorean reaches 88 miles per hour, it catapults Marty back to the year 1955. Having only enough plutonium to make a one trip, to make one trip, Marty is stuck in 1955 and must find a new way to power the machine in order to get home. Meanwhile, he keeps running into his parents as teenagers, changing history and risking not being born at all. He accidentally interrupts his parents' original meet-cute, causing his mom to fall for him instead of his dad. He's got to get them to fall in love, keep his mom from getting raped by the town bully and get the DeLorean hooked up to the only thing powerful enough to compare to plutonium, a bolt of lightning. There's only one man in 1955 who can help Marty. The man who sent them, sent him there in the first place. Doc Brown, 30 years younger, has is the only man with the power to generate the
2: 1.21
1: gigawatts. (laughs) Oh, man. Disgust.
2: Okay. Anyway, so, yeah, um, one of my, I think, is the, like, most masterful parts of this and what really sells it is the character of Doc Brown, and I cannot, for the life of me, think of anybody except for Christopher Lloyd who would be able to pull that character off and make it so lovable. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I love Christopher Lloyd in this movie, and I think he is the glue that holds everything together. You got Michael J. Fox, great casting, great character with Marty McFly, but... Whatever sells this movie to me as being such a fun and and like heartwarming adventure, I feel like it's Doc Brown. He's such a cool, interesting, and unique character that I don't think I've ever seen in any other movie before. He's such a standout. I love it. Do you know
4: who was originally supposed to play that part? I, do I want to know? Am John I going to Nicholas Cage,
1: John Cusack,
4: <laughs> John Lithgow? I don't know who that is. Oh,
0: oh yes, you yes, you do. I do. Yeah. Can you
2: who? What else does he play?
1: Um, he was in Dexter. Did you watch that? He Dexter. was the Trinity Killer.
2: Oh, Money Monty
0: Python. He was a Monty Python. guy. Uh,
4: third rock from
2: the third, sun. Rock.
0: third rock from the sun. That dude? Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh god, I'm so glad he's he He was
0: a Monty movie. Python,
4: right? No, he wasn't Monty Python. He wasn't Monty Python. No, no. he's Who not British. Of? No. Who am know. I thinking of? You're thinking of um one of the Monty Python guys,
2: <laughs> <laughs> nerd cred. This <laughs> <laughs> out. here. Oh, he was back. in uh,
1: Perry Mason. He was the the guy that, that killed himself in Perry Mason. Yeah,
2: he's also the villain in Cliffhanger. That's true. Yeah, Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone movie. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm glad he's not Doc Brown. I don't think he would have. I, I feel <laughs> like
0: he had he been Doc Brown, we never would have known the difference.
2: Maybe.
4: <laughs> but I don't know if the movie would have been as below. Christopher er- Lloyd brought a lot to that yeah, movie he, right there.
0: Yeah. Er- Eric Stoltz
2: and John Lithgow. That would have been a way different movie. (laughs) It would have been completely different. (laughs) Wow. What a weird, weird thought. What alternate universe, alternate back to the future universe that that's going to create. All right. So let's, let's talk about the movie a little bit more. Um, I just, cause I think everybody that listens to this podcast has probably seen this movie. I don't feel like, I don't feel like we would would go scene by scene.
1: If you haven't seen this movie and you listen to our (laughs) podcast, why,
2: what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Why do you
1: like us?
2: So let's talk about some of our favorite aspects or favorite scenes of this movie across the board and just kind of get a feel for this first movie because it's so iconic. Uh, for me, when Marty goes back to 1955 and he's walking through the, the the town circle with the clock tower and everything, and he's got, you know, Sandman playing in the background, not the Metallica song, the other one. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that to me is just like, I love the fish out of water aspect. I love how everybody's commenting. Like, what are you in the Marine or in the- What, you national- jump ship? Did you jump ship? or are you in the National Guard? What's that like commenting on his 80s attire and mm-hmm. stuff like that? It's so funny. I love it. I love watching it. It makes me feel like I want to go back to the 1950s and hang out with somebody yeah. right there. It's just such a cool thing. And I think Marty's um, a credit to Michael J. Fox is that as Marty, he is able to- react to what's around him in such a interesting and fun way mm-hmm. that you makes you feel like you're right there with him.
1: I love but. watching him flub through things. Like when he calls his dad, dad, he's yeah. like, dad, 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 dad daddy. Oh,
2: yeah. Dad, <laughs> That's good stuff, man. Uh, and the, the, the absolute shock on his face when he realizes that he's sitting next to George McFly and he's like, <laughs> That that's classic scene where the cameras panned and, and Christian Glover
1: is so great in this. He's
2: he's that perfect amount of awkward because uh-huh. Christian Glover is a very strange person. He when is. What else has he been in?
1: Creepy thin man. Or Charlie's Angels.
2: Charlie's Angels. Willow. What is it? Is it Willow with the Mm-mm. the rat movie? Um, is that? I think it was called Willow. It wasn't the the. I just from, remember his dancing from the Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> and he actually made Friday the Thirteenth
4: before he made this movie.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, so, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Vader. I know you don't, you're not really as nostalgic about this movie as we are, but what are, what are some of your, what are some of the scenes um, that you think of when you think about this movie? We, what are your we, favorite parts? When
0: I think about Willard. this movie, um, I think about the, the, the scene in the mall parking lot where we get to first see the, oh, okay. the movie, yeah. you know, and, and, the, and the, uh, the Libyans. Yeah. DeLurians. DeLurians, oh my god yeah and you know i think about that scene you know that's that's a pretty exciting scene when they when we first get to see the delorean do its thing mm-hmm. and uh, i and, and the other one is always the scene where they're trying to hit the, the clock tower with the lighting okay you those know, are like the most iconic the, the, the thing, two iconic yeah. scenes you know it's like and and that's the way i'm going to be with all three of these movies is just the, the iconic the scenes. set pieces the, yeah, yeah yeah i mean
2: I got you. You know, so definitely for but, the but third one, but they're
0: fun, yeah, for sure. With, with the train, yeah, everything. train's amazing. Yeah,
2: uh, Jude, what about you? What are some of the most iconic and your favorite scenes from this first movie?
0: Um,
1: so when I originally saw this, I was young and impressionable, and I always <laughs> thought that like hanging onto a car while you're skateboarding was really cool. Um, but now watching it, like what I'm what I'm really looking for and I'm thinking like that. Oh, it's coming up! Is Doc Brown's like reactions to everything? Like when he's tugging on the wire and he's like trying to get the clock tower rigged up, and he accidentally unplugs it from below, and he's like,
3: "Yeah,"
1: (laughs) and and I just just nodded. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, and like when um, uh, Lorraine comes to. They're wherever they are in the, the time. Garage. The garage. Oh yeah. And he's like, it's just his facial expressions while she's talking. He's yeah. like, eyebrows are going bananas. <laughs> and he's just like eyeballing Marty the whole time. Like, what are you going to do about this? Uh,
4: and, you know? and the best reaction is when uh, the the model car comes
2: Oh out. yeah. <laughs> and he does the
4: other thing, like,
0: oh.
3: Yeah, that's I, my favorite. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love, I, lo- I love Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he makes these movies for me. Yeah. You know, he's, he's such a great character actor with his expressions and the way he his facial expressions and, and everything, you know, even I go back farther, I go back to taxi mm. when he played Reverend Jim and he was awesome. He made the, him and Latka made that show and his performance make these movies, you know, and yeah, you know, everything he's been in, in the nerd world, just even when he's, he's, is a commander or Captain Krug and in, in Star Trek three. Oh yeah! yeah. Oh he was, yeah! He was, he, was a, he was a Klingon. Yeah, uh, he was awesome as a yeah, Klingon. That's right. Those <laughs> eyes, dude. Those <laughs> yeah, yeah, eyes yeah, yeah. sell it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you know what? He's, Doc... he's just—he's just a fun actor. He's a, he's, hes hes iconic Yeah,
2: he's know. so expressive. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you know what Doc's middle name is?
2: Emmett. Uh, no, Emmett? Emmett is his first name, right? Yeah. Emmett he's he's in the phone book
1: as Emmett L. Brown. Oh, is it
2: L or J? L. L. Okay. It's probably something weird it's like Lathrop. Lathrop? Oh, I love. Yeah, I was gonna say like or Weird, you know, Lucifer. He's actually the devil, and he's like taking this poor kid around.
3: <laughs> Jesus, that would have been deep. Why did you take that? That would have been awesome. I Would that a rabbit hole? I now. would. Have, I would have loved that. Nineteen
1: eighty-five <laughs> is purgatory. Yes, <laughs>
2: but you, you know, I think and it's my, the seven layers of hell. Yeah, every different timeline. <laughs> he has incest with his mom. Oh my and, god! And, and Biff is the devil. Biff is yeah. Biff yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Okay, uh, since I, I know that uh, you mentioned this before, but your Earthman Jack series, I got a chance to read the first book, and I think one of the things that I said to you when I reacted to that book was, I'm like, I feel like I'm watching like another episode of Back to the Future because Earthman Jack, the character, he feels like Marty McFly, mm-hmm. and I, I love how you brought that into your own uh, your own world and your own writing. So, what are what are some of the most iconic scenes in this movie for you?
4: Uh, well. I mean, pretty much every scene in this movie is iconic, but but the interesting thing is just how everything kind of melds together. Like for instance, uh, Billy Zane in his first movie role, uh, (laughs) he doesn't have a single line in this movie, but uh, he's there. Yeah. Um, if if you look at like how they introduce Hill Valley at, at the beginning of, of the movie, and, and the fact that Hill Valley is itself an oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh like you, you see like there's like porn stores in the background, there's like yeah. bail, it's all bail bonds and like it's just like this run down crummy. Yeah. Tri- triple uh, X movie yeah, in the
0: theater. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah,
4: Like like just this terrible, awful town that that's just been run down and and, and is kind of derelict in certain ways. Uh the place where you
2: know Marty lives. It's all like, but a like,
1: fine place to raise a family.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in the fifties, it was. But I love that, like the Americana nineteen fifties. Everything's yeah. pristine. It's being but, built. You know, when you
4: go back to nineteen fifties, like everything is is very different. Like the exercise studio in nineteen eighty five is now the diner, mm-hmm. where everyone um, kind of congregates. And in the sequel, you know, it's kind of funny because they take like the cafe eighties idea of like a throwback nineteen fifties diner, but it's also part exercise studio. So like they combined the 1985 and, and the 1950s thing yeah. to something new for like the 2015 version. Um, but uh, the, you know, I think that the most iconic thing for me in this movie was the skateboard chase. Uh, that, that whole scene where basically Biff is chasing around Marty and he invents the skateboard to get away from them. and <laughs> He invents the skateboard. He kind of does. He kind of does. Yeah, it goes
2: from a scooter to a skateboard. I love that scene for the aspect of like, you get these 1950s kids who are like, it, it feels very old school and very like Americana. And then you have this like, street savvy kid from the 80s who gets a leg up because he's a little bit more street smart than the kids from the 50s. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives Marty the edge. I I really, I kind of think that aspect of it really sells it for me. Mm-hmm. He's the
1: Captain Jack Sparrow of the 1950s.
2: Exactly. Yeah, but um also like the entire opening shot
4: of the first movie tells you everything that you need to know going into this movie. Like they set up the fact that the plutonium has been robbed. Mm-hmm. They set up the fact that, you know, the, there was like some Libyan stuff. If you look at the, the pictures, uh, in doc Brown's, um, garage, basically, um, his, um, mansion burned down and Bob Gale in interviews has come out and said like, you know, doc Brown did that to collect the insurance money so he could fund his experiments. <laughs> uh, he sold off the land to like a Burger King, you know, um, like little things like that, that kind of like set up everything that's to come in this movie, uh, The fact that when Lorraine's father hits uh, Marty with the car, it's like another one of these
2: kids jumped out in front of my car. Yeah, like how many times (laughs) has he done
4: this? (laughs) Exactly. Like you get the sense that there are a lot of guys who are like watching Lorraine undress. You know know what?
2: I'm not even, I'm not going to lie. I feel really bad saying this. Lorraine's into it. No, 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 no. This is the first time that literally watching this movie this week for the podcast was the first time I ever realized that that was Lorraine. Oh. I always thought it was just some random neighbor chick. I never connected the dot that that was Lorraine in the window, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I feel ashamed. Like I should have known this. It seems to be a common thing that everybody already knows, and I'm like, that's news to me. <laughs> I thought it was just some random chick. I what Do you no feel eye.
1: you feel dirty now? That a you, little bit. You were I was like. like
2: hey,
1: yeah. You hey, how's chick? it going? Now you know it's Marty's mom. Yeah. Now
2: I know it's Marty's mom. Ew. Who's yeah. thirsty for? <laughs> everybody in this movie dude (laughs) you want to talk about that (laughs) dude let's talk i don't know let's talk about how thirsty lorraine is she's
1: she's parched
2: i never went to parked with a boy and or called a boy or called a boy or anything like that and then you see her when she's a teenager she's just like give me some of that purple underwear baby Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) just making me very uncomfortable right now
2: (laughs) She took off his pants. She oh, took weird. off his pants. They're they're over there on my hope chest. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know what, You know what's funny is so like this script got shopped around Hollywood, like pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. John Mulaney and, did a
1: bit about it.
4: Yeah, but Disney, um, when they pitched it to Disney, Disney was like, um, the incest stuff is a no go for us. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and even though like they had like much like kind of like edgier stuff going on at the time, Disney was like. We would never. There's a line.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And you just crossed it. (laughs) There's a scene
4: where Marty makes out with his mom
2: in the car. (laughs) They (laughs) don't make out. She
0: forces herself on him. That's
2: so much better, V.
1: (laughs) In order to get his parents back together.
2: Yeah. It was all part of the plan. I love... Okay, so let's talk about that scene because it was one way Yeah, the, the plan was for Marty
4: to try to rape his mom. Yes, no. that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> I guess George, that, is, George is, George is like
1: He's so, holding his mom's bra. <laughs> yeah,
2: you're going to... You're going <laughs> to
1: touch her touch on her. Touch her on her.
2: On her. What? <laughs> yes, George. Yes, but it's it's all part of the plan. <laughs>
4: Hey, you, get your
2: your damn damn hands off off her. Should I
4: swear? Should
1: I swear? Yes, Yes, goddammit, it, George. George. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to sit and quote the movie from here on out.
2: Oh, man, it's good stuff.
1: Oh, and did you notice who the mom is, who Lorraine's mom is?
2: No, talk to me.
1: The mom from Gremlins. Oh, my God, it it
2: is. is. That's
4: awesome. She's such a badass in that movie. Yeah, Yeah, and did you notice that the whole clock tower set is the town from Gremlins?
2: Yes, that I knew because when I watched Gremlins, people were telling me about that. This is basically the same studio set that they had; They just changed the buildings a little bit. Well,
4: so funny story. So um, basically this is a Universal Studios movie. And uh, Sid Sheinberg was the head of Universal Studios at the time uh, that this movie was being made. And he was the kind of mentor for Steven Spielberg in the sense that he discovered Steven Spielberg uh, back when Spielberg had made his short film Amblin. Uh, he gave Steven Spielberg a start. He was like Steven Spielberg's most staunch supporter in Hollywood, and it was through Sid Sheinberg that Universal Studios became like it rose up from a B level studio to a major Hollywood studio. And he was responsible for a lot of like the classic '80s movies that we all know and love, mostly through his um, you know association with Spielberg. And so, when Back to the Future came out, um, Sheinberg, he, he was kind of like those one of those old school studio heads where he's like now look at here. So you know, he's got like the, <laughs> the stogie in his hand and stuff like that. And, um, he had a lot of notes, um, for this movie. And basically he came in and originally Einstein, the dog was a chimp. It was doc Brown's kind of orangutan companion. Okay. And, uh, Sid Scheinberg was like, now look at here. So <laughs> no movies that have monkeys in them ever make any money. <laughs> I want you to change this to a dog. Make his, make his name Einstein.
2: That's and, a and, great idea.
4: And so like Robert Zemeckis was like, oh, well, okay, he's the boss. Yeah. People
1: love dogs. And,
4: and then like, uh, you know, he'd, he'd be sitting there and he'd be like, what's the name of this broad? This guy's mom, uh, Madge. He's like, I want you to change your name to Lorraine. And they're like, they're like, why, why? do you want to change? Because it's name sexy. Her? No, he's like, that's the name of my wife. We got in a fight the other night. I want to, you know, make it up <laughs> to, to her. <laughs> otherwise, I'm never going to have sex again. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so, that's that's they're, so they're like, okay, we're going to change the name of, of Lorraine. And so, like, he'd have all these like weird, kind of off the wall suggestions, and he didn't really understand the movie. And at a certain point, he was like, he was like, you know. I don't. I don't get the title of this film, and they're like, "You don't get Back to the Future." And He's like, "No, I want you to change the name to the Space Man from Pluto." <laughs> oh what?
2: yeah, I remember and, hearing and, about what? that. And
4: and and basically, they were like, "But there is no spaceman from Pluto in, in this movie." And he's like, "He's like, trust me, it'll sell." And and so like once this came down, like you know Zemeckis and Bob Gale were just like, "What? Well, what are we? What are we gonna do? Like, we, we can't. <laughs> we, we, we can't name this movie. This is the worst title ever." And so Spielberg's like, "Like I I, I know Sid. I'm I'll, I'll, I'll handle this." And so. Spielberg wrote this uh, memo that said, like, Sid, your suggestion for the change of the title was the best joke I've heard all day. (laughs) It made everyone in the office laugh. Keep it up. Love, Steven. And he distributed it to everyone, like, at the studio. Yeah. And when Sid saw that, everyone was like, oh, Sid, that was a good joke that you played on them. And Sid was just like, he
2: had to own it. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah.
4: It, it was a joke. I'm a really funny guy. <laughs> really funny guy.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Steven Spielberg playing chess with the studio execs. It's good stuff. Yeah. So basically Spielberg just like outmaneuvered
4: Sid Sheinberg to basically save the title of this movie.
2: Right on. Right on. All right. Let's polish off uh, part one. I just real quick wanted to talk about um, the final scene where Marty's in 1955 and he's you know they're trying to time the clock tower lightning strike perfectly that scene to me is like the perfect how to build tension in a film yeah ever it's like you, I never, I never not feel tense when I'm watching Marty tr- sit there and try and turn over the. No DeLorean. matter how
1: many times you've
3: seen this yes.
2: before, you're yeah. like, oh my god, is he gonna make it? Uh-huh. I, I was, oh shit! I absolutely agree. It's so yeah. good. It's oh so my god, well the car will start. Yeah, the alarm goes off, and you're like, and it's funny when you think about it, because the alarm goes off, and before that, Doc is like, when this alarm goes off, you have exactly this long to get to 88 miles an hour, and obviously, his Doc's calculations were wrong because yes. Marty didn't leave, and <laughs> he still made it in time. So if he would have actually been able to go when the alarm clock went off mm-hmm. none of it would have worked well
1: what we what we know is what time it was when the lightning hit but we don't know the second yeah you know you only know the minute yeah so i think that they were calculating it up to the second that it turned that minute yeah. but really there's, there's a whole 55 s- seconds in between that yeah
2: yeah it's such a fun, that that scene is is so much fun and it's so intense and every time i watch it i'm on the edge of my seat like Is he going to make it when he Mm -hmm. sits there and he bangs his head against the steering wheel and he honks the horn and that's what makes the car start. And he gets up and and the look on his face, he's just like,
3: Oh, all right, let's go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene. That's one of my favorite things, especially for a great climax to the, to the movie. I think it's so much fun. So amazing. I'm gushing over this movie now. So yeah. uh, can we talk
4: about the pronunciation of gigawatts? Is it gigawatts or gigawatts? So the correct pronunciation is gigawatts. Okay. But the um, the physicist that they had consulting on the movie pronounced it the old fashioned way, which was gigawatt. Okay, and so because of that, um, you know, when they were directing Christopher Lloyd uh, in, in this thing, Robert Zemeckis was like, "Oh, it's pronounced gigawatt," <laughs> but the entire scientific community is like, "No." <laughs> no. So it's well, just kind of like a funny thing. Yeah,
2: there's so much about this movie where like the whole time travel aspect, there's a lot of debate whether or not it actually works. Or I
1: know Kadish probably has oh, a lot I'm to sure. say about that's the for, time that's travel. That's going to have to
2: be like an exclusive like Patreon episode, just a super deep dive on whether He's going to
1: you bitch you <laughs> with his eyeballs if you don't let do him Do you want to do
2: it for final thoughts? Can we do final thoughts for uh, part one and you can talk about the time travel thing?
4: Well, I'll, I'll just give like a general overview of the time travel okay. right here. Um, because basically there's like three different theories for time travel. And the one that... Um, this movie kind of adheres to is the alternate timeline or, or multiverse Mm -hmm. uh, time travel, which is basically like once you change something in the past, a new offshoot is created. And, uh, basically they travel, you know, kind of forward in time onto that offshoot instead of going back to the original timeline. Right. And in fact, in the sequel, they actually do a brilliant job of explaining how that works to the audience. So it's, it's very clear and not confusing at all. And in fact, you know there there are certain like little quibbles where you could talk about like why is he erased last when he was born last you know mm-hmm. and stuff like that, um, but the the whole concept of you know the alternate timelines that happen because of ripples in the past works perfectly well and you know this was a very well thought out use of time travel.
2: So I know we've talked about this before, but your whole thing is like once you establish the rules for time travel in your movie, you have to adhere to those rules yep. from that point forward. And then it's okay, even if it doesn't make sense scientifically or by theory or whatever, as Mm -hmm. long as you follow your rules at the start, you're in the clear.
4: Mm -hmm. Well,
2: it's important that the rules make
4: sense. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you tell the audience, okay, this is how this works and this is why it works this way, then the audience is willing to suspend their disbelief and be like, okay. So, like, even though there are certain things, like, for instance, when we get into the third movie, you know, why couldn't they just swap out the gas tank on the other DeLorean with, you know, the one that Marty brought back or use that DeLorean to go go back or something like that so there's like little things that you can kind of nitpick about but there are ways that you can like ignore that because of the rules that they established and and that's the important thing is that the audience isn't sitting there picking apart all this stuff they're just able to kind of accept what they've been giving and and kind of go forward with it whereas if you contrast it with something like for instance Avengers Endgame which (laughs) Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale actually get got a real kick out of because that movie specifically um, Reference. references Back yeah. to the Future and they say Back to the Future rules when they're talking about establishing the time travel. But their establishment of the time travel doesn't make any sense no. whatsoever. <laughs> and so that entire movie, you're sitting there like, how does this work? Yeah. You, what are you supposed to be doing? Whereas with Back to the Future, it's, oh, okay, it works this way and we're going to go with that.
2: Right on. <laughs> Jude, <laughs> why don't you tell us, uh, what are your thoughts on, or final thoughts on part one?
1: Um... Gosh, I don't know how to sum it up. Um, this is my favorite of the three. It's a it's a staple of my youth. And um, I don't know. I just I love it. I think it really makes sense. I love that they establish what the rules are. And you know, I'm a I'm a person who's like, if you don't make it clear that I can trust you, I'll never trust you and I won't be able to fully invest in your story and I won't enjoy it. Yeah. This allows me to do all of that. Yep. Like, here are the rules. We don't mess with the rules. You're in a safe place. Please enjoy our story. And yeah. I can.
2: Yeah, nice. I have to say, for my final thoughts, I just want to say, like, this this is the best movie out of the three as far as a narrative goes because I feel like you can watch just this one. Mm-hmm. And you can have a completely satisfied experience. Mm-hmm. There is no, you don't have to go before. You don't have to go after. There's mm-hmm. no questions left. If you cut the movie off when Marty gets back to to the alternate 1985 that he creates after you know saving his parents,
1: well, Michael J. Fox didn't even know that there would be a sequel yeah. until no like one, no he saw did.
2: it. Yeah, exactly. So that like that's what I love about this first movie is that you can just sit down and watch the first one and you can have no knowledge of the other two. Yeah, and it still works. It's well, a they, complete they did, story. Yeah. They didn't
0: actually intend on making a sequel. I don't believe. I
2: don't think they did. No, until they, I much mean, they, later. Yeah, they the, uh, goofed
0: this with the, with the whole going come back and save your kids, Marty. Thing, yeah. but you know, I don't think that. Well, well, that whole thing
4: was meant to be kind of like a one-off stinger, right? So, so like, it was like, oh, the adventure continues, but they never yeah. expected to do a sequel. Yeah. So, and we can probably talk about their change of plans three hundred eighty million
2: dollars later.
0: <laughs> we're making a sequel. <laughs> we're definitely making a sequel. <laughs> All right,
2: uh, V, what are your final thoughts on the part one of? Back
0: oh, the I don't know if I can add a whole lot more to what you guys have already said. It's a great movie. Yeah. It's it's a it's iconic and it's it's pure. It's, it's what the eighties were all about as far as fun, cool movies. You know, it was, it was just, just a good time. Yeah. You know, of the three, it's by far my favorite. And, um, it's just, uh, just an iconic classic movie. Right on. It's, it's good. You know, I I can't fault it for, for anything really.
2: Yeah. I don't, I can't really have any, I don't have any salt for this movie. No, I don't either. It's like
0: you said, it's like you can watch this movie and not the other two and be perfectly okay.
2: Yeah. I have a little bit of salt for part two, so we're going to get there in a minute. All right. Uh, Kadesh, what are your final thoughts on part one of back to the future? They're
4: pretty much the same as my opening thoughts. This is a brilliant movie. It's a classic. It's almost a perfect movie. In my opinion, five stars out of five. I love this movie. I can watch it at any time and be just as entertained as the first time I've I've seen it. i must've seen this film like a thousand different times. I've studied it. I've dissected it. It's been a big influence on, on me and my work. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, kind of belabor that point anymore. But I do want to point out that the characters in this movie are, are, I think, what makes it so lasting. We've talked about Doc and Marty, but um, one character that I want to talk about a little bit is Biff. Oh, yeah. Biff. Yeah, he's um, a perfect villain. So, like, Thomas F. Wilson, he wasn't originally cast as Biff. Basically, they had a different actor. But when they cast Eric Stoltz, they wanted someone who was, like, bigger and more intimidating because Eric Stoltz was very tall. So they cast Thomas F. Wilson, who came in and basically, you know, kind of. Fills cracked. up a screen. Yeah, he crafted the character of Biff. And uh, when they recast Marty McFly, he was like, you know, Biff was like so much bigger than Michael J. Fox, uh, Thomas F. Olson was, Mm -hmm. that they were were like, oh, we could have kept our original guy. (laughs) Because (laughs) Michael J. Fox is so small. And in fact, if you look at every scene that Michael J. Fox is in with um, Christopher Christopher Lloyd, Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd's always hunching over. And that's because like he's trying to like you know make himself the same height as as Michael <laughs> J. Fox because he Michael J. Fox was really small
2: yeah he's a short guy yeah, yeah.
4: so like it's just it's just kind of funny but um, Thomas F. Wilson really crafted the character of Biff and made him such a great villain in in, in these movies and he's actually like nothing like Biff like he's oh actually, yeah he's super nice yeah, yeah yeah he's like a super nice guy and in fact he didn't get along with Eric Stoltz like at all like in fact uh, uh, I think in the cafeteria scene where they were like kind of. Filming the where they were about to fight. Yeah, Stoltz he was like a big method actor, and he kept like getting really rough with with Wilson, and uh, basically Thomas Wilson was just like, dude, like light, lighten the f up, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was he was planning his revenge on on Eric Stoltz when, when, he, when he got fired, and Thomas F. Wilson was like, oh good, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, glad, I, glad I don't have to work with that jerk oh, anymore. In fact, um, um, Eric Stoltz he was so method that he insisted everyone call him Marty. And so everyone on set thought that his name really was Marty, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. because he was just like so method, and all the actors hated working with him. Oh, That's a bummer. I don't
0: really, I can't really think of a lot of iconic stuff that Eric Stoltz has done. Right? He's got a recognizable face, but yeah, I, don't I mean, his I don't, movie you know, the oh, name that, uh,
4: Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I guess is he the, I the guess. drug the, dude? Yeah, the drug dealer. Yeah, no. yeah. But, Holy shit! You know, and uh, like, mask. Mask was a big thing.
1: Some kind of wonderful with Leah Thompson.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. He's definitely not a. He's not Marty McFly. He's not he's not a <laughs> top tier dude. No. He's like, "Oh, oh, yeah, I know that name." Yeah. But
1: I think that he would have been had he been in this role. Do you think the movie I still think, would have been a successful? Um,
0: yeah.
4: No, not no, no way. I don't think so. I don't think I, you're I'm outnumbered, Jude. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you, you I can,
1: guess that means I'm wrong. <laughs> you,
4: you can see the um, the outtakes,
0: like like there is yeah. footage
2: out there of him. Yeah, they you know, shot five weeks ago. So yeah, I, I don't
4: know. I don't think people understand
0: how big of a person Michael J. Fox was with uh, Family Ties. Family Ties. Yeah, yeah. that was the. Hook. I'm named after him in yeah. Family Ties, yeah. Oh, yeah. so right. I mean that yeah. was that was a
2: big show, and yeah. so yeah, right on. All right, guys, that's our discussion for part one of Back to the Future. Uh, before we move on to the part two of our episode, a real quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back, everybody. All right, let's talk about Back to the Future, part two, my least favorite of the trilogy. <laughs> what? Sad. How dare I say uh, this that? This is my
4: favorite one. See, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm with Alex. I like the first, like, 20 minutes. No, I, okay. I, so. I like it when it went to the future. But the rest of the movie is like, eh, whatever. Really? That's my least
2: favorite part. Really? Yeah. 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 We'll talk about it in a second. Uh, Jude, do you want to um, do the synopsis real quick and get part two out of the way? I do. Set the stage? Go ahead.
1: I will set the stage. All right. Once upon a time in a far off future.
3: A little faster. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: 1989, Back to the Future 2. Rated PG with a runtime of one hour, 48 minutes. at a budget of $40 million, which the original, it doubled the original
0: budget. What do you think it brought in?
2: It doubled the original budget. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it brought in $400 million. Vader? I'm going to say it was right around the same
0: as I said for the first one, like around three hundred.
1: 3.31.9. Oh, wow.
0: Boom.
2: Yes. Yeah. So suck it. You get suck it, bitch. A little bit okay. less
1: than the original. Yeah.
2: Sequelitis a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So,
1: something has got to be done about Marty and Jennifer's kids in 2015.
2: Okay. You, you guys remember when that was the future?
3: <laughs> yeah, I, know. I do. Wait, wait, wait.
2: That was like five years ago. Yeah. Six almost. What the hell?
0: I was so angry when that happened. When it was like, hey, it's Back to the Future Day. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. But-, but but everything's shitty. I know.
2: There's no flying cars. There's no de-aging. There's no dehydrated pizza. There's no, there's no Jaws
0: 19. Yeah. I was really annoyed.
2: I, yeah, it was I a was, bad day. I was legit annoyed.
1: So I want to start off by saying that I think Doc is the real villain in this whole movie. <gasps> he f- messes up. <laughs> he F's up by letting Jennifer and Biff see the time machine. So, first off, they've got to stash the sleeping Jennifer in an alley to save the kids Mm -hmm. in the year 2015. And instead of telling the cops, hey, that's my Jennifer when the cops find her in the alley, they wait and they let the cops take her home, risking her meeting her future self. Then they also discuss the time machine at full volume in broad daylight with Biff within earshot, Mm -hmm. which I know they didn't know that Biff was in earshot, but They're like in the middle of the street, like the time machine (laughs) and time space continuum and blah, blah, blah. And then while they're trying to find Jennifer, Biff steals the time machine and goes back to the past, becomes rich, kills George McFly and marries Lorraine. So then when Marty gets back to what he thinks is his 1985, it's a different timeline and no one realizes that Hill Valley is a dump until Marty accidentally breaks into his house and there's a whole different family living there. Um, He's got to go back to 1955 where it all started to undo the damage that Biff did. And also, Marty has a trigger of being called chicken all of a sudden in this (laughs) one. And that causes him to make every bad decision possible and drives most of the plot. Just
0: people calling him chicken. The chicken thing wasn't in the first movie. No, Not,
2: not at all. Nope. they made I never thought, that. I never thought about shit. that before. They invented that specifically so that Marty could have a character arc for the next two movies. Wow, that, that's, that's his whole that's character lame. arc is just yeah. That's weird. He
1: overcoming like... his trigger. You could get Marty to do anything you want
2: just by calling him chicken. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit convenient. Huh. Very. A little bit convenient. A little bit. A little, just a little, mm-hmm. just a little mm-hmm. bit. A little, a little convenient. bit. A little bit.
3: Fine. <laughs>
2: Interesting. All right, so I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my salt out of the way. Do it. Um, the the first, how long is he in 2015? The half hour, 45, 40 minutes, 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. The first act, the first act of this movie is my least favorite out of the whole trilogy. Mm -hmm. Really? I don't like 2015. I I have a
1: problem with the first hour and 48 minutes of this movie. (laughs) Holy shit.
2: (laughs) Uh, I didn't know. Just to be specific. This, (laughs) this, uh, I feel like they overdid it. They, they sequelitis it. You know, they, yeah. they took every aspect that we enjoyed about the first movie Biff mm-hmm. 2015 Biff's going to be like a half cyborg and he's going to act super quirky and weird I hated it. I hated. Ben well, they did that the with all the
0: kids. They put well, like some, yeah, the, yeah. It's some, some weird implants it's on so them. and dumb. stuff. I actually kind of liked it back at the time. I they I didn't like it.
1: they did what I what I really what really irritates me about movies that are made in the eighties about the future is every single one of them does what they did here, and it irritates me. Like yeah. everybody's wearing weird ass shit that doesn't look good <laughs> It doesn't all make sense. Johnny
0: mnemonic, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Everything looks terrible. It's like. It it's very obviously created in the eighties to look like it's in the future, and I hate it. Well, yeah. yeah, but
2: that's that's it, what people thought the eighties or the yeah. twenty hundreds. Everybody, what?
0: everybody, legit the 200s? thought twenty hundreds, twenty hundreds, sweetheart. Ooh. Listen, I legitimately, <laughs> a little put more champagne on me. I legitimately thought that we would have flying cars by now. I really do. We kind of do, uh, but they're just more like the, like helicopters.
2: Yeah, they came the, out with
1: those weak ass hoverboards.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, like, remember
0: those? Yeah, they have where's to be on a,
2: on a magnetic track. Yeah, it's lame.
1: Yeah. I mean, at some and point- And to be fair, everything is bullshit, but in a different yeah. <laughs> way, it looks better.
2: Yeah, I, I, like this whole opening first act with 2015, the hijinks that into I think every single character, even Marty McFly himself, the older Marty McFly, terrible. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't like, I don't understand why they put-
1: His daughter though is hot. It's Michael J.
2: Fox in yeah, drag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. like that.
0: No, no. <laughs> was I was being awful. sarcastic. Okay, good. Yeah, there's that I'm one glad. scene where it's what? like it's, it's like daughter, <laughs> daughter, son, and old Marty, and, and they're, they're all just all, Marty, and they're all at the same table. That they got an Oscar for that.
2: Did they? Yeah. Uh, Come on. Yeah. No, they did. for special effects. For special well, special effects, effects is fine. Oh, it was what new... they
1: put gray hair and bags yeah. under oh, no. Jennifer's eyes.
2: No, because what they, they actually I think they invented a new style of filmmaking to be able to have the same actor on screen together. Yeah, interact. Before right. there was always a split where you would not be able to have the actor interact with himself. Mm-hmm. And this is like, they were breaking new ground where they could actually have Michael J. Fox react with Michael J. Fox.
4: Well, they, they created a new ca- kind of camera rig. A computer would control it. Yeah. So you could get the exact same like camera movement from shot to shot. So it allowed them to have the, the actor be like in one place in the frame And then they would basically reshoot the exact same scene with the actor as a different character in a different place. Yeah. And then they would be able to composite them together uh, seamlessly uh, for the first time. Like that was like the big thing that Robert Zemeckis really wanted to do was to push the envelope in terms of what they could do in terms of, you know, having the same actor on screen. Okay.
2: Is that why he cast Michael
4: J. Fox in like 19 roles? No, I, I think, so there was like- They a, were already paying him. Well, th- there was this thing going on where, first of all, Marty's son had to look like Marty in order yeah. for Marty to kind of take over. So that was just kind of like a, a script thing. Yeah. Um, but there was an issue with Crispin Glover where basically Crispin, was gonna say. Crispin Glover did not return for the next two movies.
1: Didn't that set a precedent though? Like, didn't he sue the studio and that set a precedent for so, future lawsuits? So what
4: happened was that basically they had some type of salary dispute where mm-hmm. Crispin Glover in the first movie, he had been paid less than Leah Thompson and Thomas F. Wilson. And so for the the sequels, he, he came back and he's like, I want a million dollars. And they were like, you know, no, <laughs> you're not worth a million dollars. And so uh, they basically, they basically kind of, came to an impasse where uh, Crispin Glover's people like refused to budge. And so they were like, okay, well we're just going to write him out of the movie. And so like originally like the, the Seamus McFly character in the third movie that was supposed to be played by Crispin Glover. It would have been better. Um, I, I agree, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they had to do, deal with what they they had i would yeah.
1: love to see crispin glover pull off an irish accent
4: in a western but yeah. the you know they they got a stand-in to do george mcfly in in the sequel the upside mm-hmm. down george mcfly yeah yeah <laughs> and you know he used prosthetics and then they had like you know long shots of him and crispin glover sued the studio for using his likeness without his permission Ooh. and that's what jude was talking about in, in terms of like the like setting the stage so that you know, there are likeness rights now Mm -hmm. and that's because of what Crispin Glover in this movie did where they used his likeness without his permission. So, um, you know, the studio had to kind of pay up for that. They said, I believe they settled out of court for like (laughs) $750,000.
2: So he got pretty much paid close to what he wanted to begin Mm -hmm. with. They should have just kept him in the movie, but I, yeah, it's a, it was a really weird situation. I know that they had to re mess with the screenplay and stuff like that to avoid this, but I don't know. Yeah. Just this first act of this movie is just not for me, man. I just don't like it. I love the second half. When he goes back to 1955, and you get to see like an alternate version of what was, or you get to see a different perspective. Yeah, perspective. Yeah, thank you. You get to see a different perspective of the first movie. I love that. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love the second half of this movie, but the first half really drags for me, and I think it's way over the top. And they go full sequelitis with this. I and think you're a fool. <laughs> well, why don't you tell? What are you? Uh, what's your favorite parts of this movie? What, what's your thoughts on this twenty uh, fifteen? So the cool thing that they did with um, these two sequels was first
4: of all they shot them back to back, but secondly they made them part of a larger story. So mm-hmm. a typical sequel would just be like a new adventure, you know, like has very little ties to the original.
1: Oh, you mean two and three? They shot back to back. Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah. So basically, uh, with this one. They said like, okay, the first movie was actually just the first part of the story, the first act of a three-act story. And so you could watch all three of these movies back to back and it tells a a single interconnected tale, Mm -hmm. which I think is super, super cool. So like this is probably one of the best sequels ever made. It's up there with like the Godfather part two, which kind of inspired them for doing this in the sense that like it was a continuation of the story. So, uh, the future part that you guys are kind of poo pooing on, I actually really enjoy because it shows the most imagination. I'm not poo pooing anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like the future stuff. Yeah, I, I, I do, t- I do Vader, too. Fader,
2: you better get on board. And and, uh, I'm not doing it. <laughs> we need more power.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. You better
1: poopy pants Kadish right now if you nope. want to stay on this side of the nope. table.
0: We're. Work, work crisscrossing. Oh
4: man. (laughs) But, uh, you know, like the, the great part about this opening scene is not only do you get, you know, to see like flying cars and like this vision of the future and stuff like that, you also get to see the kind of like history repeat itself with like probably the best set piece in the first movie, which was the skateboard chase. But now it's taken up to like another level. And, uh, I don't know, like there's just so much about this part of the movie I remember going to see this with my parents, like the whole family and my cousin went to go see this movie in the theater because we were such big fans of the first movie. And I can remember watching this on the big screen and just being like blown away by what I was seeing. It was like so much fun and it was so imaginative and there are little things in it that I just love. Like for instance, when Doc Brown starts peeling his makeup off. Yeah. And, and, I didn't
1: think you would recognize me, Marty.
4: <laughs> I've had some work done. And, and
2: he's like, I got a new spleen, a new colon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say they extended his life by like 30 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. But,
4: and, and that was all just because like, they didn't want to have to keep putting old age makeup on, on Christopher Lloyd. But yeah. the thing is, is like when he took his makeup off, I, I didn't notice any difference. Yeah. But no, that, yeah, that's no, part I, of the gag. It took right? some of the neck, the neck, uh,
0: the
2: wrinkles, neck wrinkles off. Yeah. yeah creepy old person. No, I, I yeah. mean, again, like Christopher Lloyd, he sells Doc Brown so well. Oh, yeah. I don't have any problems with the with him as a character or even with Marty. he so
1: much energy. It's like, so, look at oh, him running yeah. around. Dude,
2: it's amazing. We're
1: watching it right now with the volume off, which we, is what we always do when we're talking about stuff just to kind of refresh it in our yeah. memories. Um, so we're re-watching it right now. And, and Christopher Lloyd is just running did, around the screen right now. Did, yeah. did you guys,
0: I know I'm older than you guys by about a good decade, decade-ish. <laughs> But have you ever seen, did you ever go watch Taxi? Have you ever watched the old like sitcom? The,
1: oh, the sitcom. The sitcom? No.
0: I did, yeah. You, you really need to go back and watch some of the, the highlights of that show. Because it's classic. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you, you will lose your mind. He is so good. <laughs> All He's, right, right on. He plays a guy named Reverend Jim. He's just a drugged out stoner. <laughs> blasted. Just his mind's completely gone. Taxi driver named Reverend Jim. And it's just, he's incredible. I'll have to check it
2: out.
3: There's
0: so, I mean, it's just a good show. Yeah. There's so many classic characters on that show, but he is a standout and you you really should go just kind of check out, you know, a few episodes of him. They're good stuff. It's good stuff. Right on. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I'd also like to point out the cinematographer of all three of these films was Dean Cundy who did, you know, all John Carpenter's, you know, big movies like Escape from New York and also Jurassic Park and stuff like that. So uh, it has a, a very kind of consistent look and feel mm-hmm. um, um, to it. It's very high quality cinematography. Um, I love the Jaws 19 gag. Mm-hmm. You we know, <laughs> like the, the
2: shark d- still looks fake.
4: A yeah. 3D <laughs> shark comes out and, and eats Marty McClellan. I, I, I was always kind
0: of fascinated with the hologram technology they used. Yeah. Because they actually kind of got that right.
3: Yeah. Because you,
0: you can go to a concert now and see a hologram perform. Mm-hmm. It's weird.
4: But it's there. Yeah. But I also love like the cafe 80s where you go in there and yeah. you got these TV screens with like Michael Jackson yeah. selling you food. And, and you got Ronald Reagan uh, kind of battling with the Ayatollah Khomeini over like what you should order. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but you know that the two kids who are playing that video game? Oh, it's Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. is yeah. one of those kids. It was his first ever movie yeah. uh, part. Oh, wow. Freaking right Frodo Baggins cool. is cool. in
2: Back to the Future too. Yeah. I always thought that was funny. He's wearing like a, a, like a soup strainer or something like that on his head. It's you so have to goofy. actually
1: use your hands. game sucks.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is another thing that we're starting to see. And yeah. with the like Oculus Rift and the, and the VR experience and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's it's, a couple of things. It's kind of fun
0: to see if they got stuff right. You know, you know what? You know?
2: you know, what's the one thing that they got completely wrong? Fax machines. Yeah. <laughs> they lean so hard on like a new fax is coming in. And it says like, you're fired on it. Like, Nobody uses fax well, this machines. Was, this no. was
4: pre-smartphones.
0: Yeah, yeah. So.
2: yeah. It's funny though. Um, all but, right.
4: So, but uh, y- you know, the whole future aspect of this, like the alternate 2015, <laughs> it, it's just, it's such a um, imaginative time. And I really like, to me, this was what made this movie like so special was like getting to see like this version of the future mm. and how the characters interact with the future. And one of the the great things that makes the back to the future trilogy, like such a grounded classic is that it, it's really a family saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like you talk about star Wars, you know, uh, the Skywalker Saga. It's a family saga. It's about a father and a son.
1: The McFly Saga.
4: The McFly Saga. <laughs> exactly. Like like this. That's a T-shirt. <laughs> the, the, this is really about like you know the whole impetus for the first movie was Bob Gale, the the writer, saying like I wonder what would have happened if I had met my dad when he was my age, and like would we have been friends? Like what what would have happened? And mm-hmm. and throughout the course of these movies, it it, it it's this family saga where. You get to see, like, Marty interact with his parents in a way that, you know, he was never able to know them, like, as a regular teenager. You get
1: to see Biff interact with his younger self.
2: Yeah, <laughs> You do? Hey, dumbass. You know what? Out of all the actors, I think, I and mean, we'll talk about this for part three, too, but... um Like Biff's character and the actor who plays Biff, he has such a great range. Mm -hmm. He can play so many different versions of that character and he sells each and every one of them as a different character. 100%. Did did, did you ever
4: see him in the uh, Wing Commander game um, opposite Mark Hamill?
2: Yeah. No. What is this? What? Yeah, he... uh, A little before your time. (laughs) Everything's before my time, Vader. (laughs) You you little young whippersnapper. (laughs) (laughs) Back in my day. Mark Hamill played across Biff. He was something (laughs) other than Luke Skywalker.
0: (laughs)
4: so uh thomas f wilson and mark hamill were in a the wing commander 3 and wing commander 4 video game huh. uh, and th- this was back when they were like d- using cd roms to put like actual like full motion video into yep. video games yeah yeah and uh thomas f wilson played the character maniac and uh he played against mark hamill and he's amazing so oh, that's like, awesome he, yeah he's a great actor i was,
0: <laughs> I was watching some old video clips some some games just a couple of days ago and man from like, I think it was like from red alert or wing command. Or oh no, yeah. Or, uh, command and conquer. Mm-hmm. And it was just, they're not good.
2: The old LucasArts is just like, um, oh
0: my gosh, the technology has just come so far. <laughs> and I used to play those games and like, go, oh, man, this is awesome. I actually, this is I, really cool. You know, and it's just, it's amazing.
2: Yeah. I have a, I have a little bit of a nostalgic feel for those old video games yeah. that use like live action uh-huh. cutscenes and stuff like that. I, I like, I think uh, was it dark forces or whatever. There's like a live action Kal Katarn and all that stuff. Yeah. Like I like I like that kind of thing. But anyway, that's besides the point. Uh I don't know what else to say about it. I just really didn't like this first act. But the second act, if we want to move on to that part of this movie. Yeah,
1: if you want to go past like one hour forty-eight minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's Do you do you <laughs> this movie?
1: I don't like it. What? I don't like it. Why not?
2: We can go to the
0: third movie whenever whenever you want. <laughs> I just I
1: think everything looks terrible. And I I hate Mute movies set in the future even though it's in the past now i hate movies set in the future that look terrible like this i really it really just
2: well what about the part where the thing irks me to the 1955 and they get to, we get to see the first movie again uh
1: it's fine but i'm already like checked out by that really? point really yeah. yeah wow no yeah.
4: that i i really love the Alternate 1985 where, you know, Biff Tannen basically rules. Um, Do we, yeah, you we know. could talk about that. I
1: hate that too. I hate Lo- <laughs> Lorraine's boob job that doesn't look like a boob job oh, at she, all. She still looks like an A cup. They're weird. She's just wearing a low cut shirt.
3: You're
2: going to criticize her. I'm criticizing
1: boob. her boobs. I'm going on record. Her boobs aren't big enough to be, mom, you're so big. She's just wearing a low cut shirt. She's not even wearing a fucking push up.
2: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. You really don't like her. The
1: only uh, thing I like surgery? The only thing I like in this movie in this in the second movie is old Biff, old crotchety Biff. Oh, okay. That's it. He's <laughs> my only entertainment throughout the whole thing.
4: You, you know what's funny about old crotchety Biff is that, you know, when he comes back from having stolen the time machine, and he gets out of the car and he like breaks his cane. Yeah. I always thought like he was in pain because he hit himself with the cane when he was getting out of the car. Oh no. But actually he's being erased from existence yep. because he changed the past and that's what's causing him to like, you know, react like that. Yeah. I think there's an, a- and they, they, they kind of implied it, but they never flat out showed like, that's what happened. So like, you're just kind of like, you know, for the longest time I thought, oh, he just hit himself with the cane.
2: It was weird. Somebody will have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's a deleted scene that better explains that whole reaction that he's having. And he is actually being erased from time, just like Marty was in the first movie. When Biff went back to 1955 and changed the timeline, he began to disappear. And the whole 2015 timeline that they were in is going to start just being gone because Biff is then in power after that point. So it's kind of cool. I like that they're, again, they're following their same rules that they set up in the previous uh, movie. But well, once-
4: but but technically, like, the minute that history was changed, he wouldn't have been able to go back to that timeline. if. Um. So there's slight, like I said, like there's there's slight (laughs) hiccups in in, 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 in the time travel logic. Yeah, I guess there is, huh? Um, (laughs) But you know, what what are you gonna do?
2: This time
1: machine flew itself back.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's another thing too. I was watching it with some friends of ours uh, on Discord, and uh, we were like, "How does Biff know how to use the time machine? Like he's yes, like he has to be able to know that he has to type in. Is it? You have this, to put
1: the time is, circuits on.
2: This is Marty where you are. This is where, you're going, this is where you
0: were. Right? Yeah. it's Whatever. All right.
1: And how come when they got back in the time machine to go back to 85, which was the alternate timeline, they found out belatedly. How come it didn't say this is where you've been? What do you mean? Like it says, this is where you're going. This is where you're at. This is where you've been. It should have already been on there. This is where you've just come from.
4: Yeah. Well, I I think that they weren't paying attention to it, but also the the, the time circuits were on a fritz. So like they kept shorting out. So like they they couldn't, yeah, that was a a,
2: a setup for what happens at the end of this movie. Where like the time series had like a short, and and Doc actually says out loud, he's like, "Well, I'm gonna have to check that out later. I'm gonna have to fix that or something." Yeah, there was a
4: deleted scene in this movie where basically Old Man Peabody gets out of the mental mental institution. Old Man Peabody. because he was put there because he was telling people that space aliens invaded his farm, <laughs> and when he gets out, he sees the DeLorean flying by, and he takes out his shotgun and shoots it in, in revenge for oh. his uh, for his pine tree getting killed. Yeah. And the, the shotgun blast is what messes up the time
2: circuits. Oh, I want to see that. I I'm, would have
1: enjoyed that. Yeah,
2: that's a cool little Old scene. Old man
1: Peabody had these crazy ideas about breeding pines.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, let's talk about uh, the hijinks that ensue in the 1955 version of the first movie where Marty gets to see himself interact at the uh at the high school dance this is the my gentleman
1: under the sea dance
2: thank you this is i forgot the name of it <laughs> <laughs> this is my all-time favorite part of this movie i love the idea of going back and seeing the first movie from a different perspective and seeing how marty interacts with those events without messing them up
1: i love seeing it through your eyes
2: and i love the fact i'm that with her you can go back and watch <laughs> the first movie And now be able to see, okay, so Marty was there and he saw it and he was in that window in that building. That to me, that saves this movie. Because otherwise, if it was just 2015 and they kept on going with like the alternate, you know, Donald Trump Biff version, like all that stuff. I don't really like all that stuff. I don't enjoy it. It's not fun for me to watch.
1: I never thought it'd be you, kid.
2: But I understand, yeah. (laughs) But I understand why they did it and what the progression of the story is going to be. But I, I once they get back to the nineteen fifty five and we get to see it from that different perspective, I freaking fall in love with this movie. And that's what saves it for me. That's what makes it like a, a good sequel for me. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Marty going back and, and seeing everything? Vader? Yeah. Eh. Eh? Yeah? Really? So yeah. you don't you don't like this movie at all, no, dude? No,
0: it's it's my very much my least favorite of the three
2: for sure. Wonder Wonder, Tw- Twin. Wonder Twin Powers yeah. Activate. Yeah. Jude, same thing for you?
1: No, I feel the same way. I don't like this one. I, oh. I get what you're saying about it being like a full story from one to three, and they were shot back to back and yeah. fine, whatever. <laughs> but it.
2: <sighs> wow. No. That Ugh. is some well thought out criticism, Jude. <laughs> you know, so, I was
1: reading from my script that I wrote for myself.
4: So originally this was just going to be like a a single sequel. hmm and the original script had four acts with the old west being the fourth act and uh the both zemeckis and bob yale sat there and and they were like you you know what like this this fourth act doesn't really belong and it feels like it should be its own thing and so they came up with the idea of breaking it off into its own movie and originally they were budgeted for like 50 million dollars to do like the sequel which was a lot of money at the time and so they went to universal and they were like hey how about you let us do two movies? And Universal was like, F off. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like, that's going to cost $100 million. And they're like, we think we could do it for 80. They just made almost 400 million. They yeah. should right. like, yeah, let's go. Yes. But, but they, they were like, look, let us do two movies. Let us shoot it back to back. We can do it for 70 to $80 million. So you get two movies for the, you know for, for the for-
1: price of one good
4: one yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's terrible <laughs> <laughs> and basically uh, the number crunchers came in at the studio and they're like hey you know it's actually much more cost effective to shoot two movies mm-hmm. and you can get them cheaper than you normally would if you waited you know yeah. time in between
0: was was this the first movie that they did that back to back kind of thing uh no
4: there there was one that was uh the the three musketeers and the four musketeers it was like an older movie Mm. but that's where they got the idea to do this back to back and it worked out so well that eventually they did it for lord of the rings however um it almost killed robert zemeckis because like while he was shooting the third movie he'd have to fly back and like edit oh yeah uh, i can imagine how much work stuff like that so so it was like it was very stressful shoot for the the director and the producers and stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons why you you don't see this happen too much, uh, except for super high budget movies that it just makes more economic sense to do everything all at once.
2: Yeah. And it helps, you know, honestly it helps sell the age of the characters. If things, if the events are supposed to take place over a short period of time, but you have like six years and the actor's age, and you start having to deal with makeup effects and haircuts and all this other stuff, but like doing it all at once kind That's of That's probably why it. you
0: don't like kid actors. Why? Because they change as they get older. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but but what, what, you know you know what makes this movie really
2: interesting <laughs> is the
4: fact that like each act in this movie is very kind of delineated where yeah. the first act happens in 2015, second act happens in 1985, third act happens in 1950. Mm-hmm. And you know, like it, it just, everything plays out so well and it does what a good sequel should do is it kind of, takes the the story in a different direction without being like too radically different. It doesn't try to make things bigger and more impressive than it needs to. And it sets up what's to come and it doesn't mess up anything that came before it.
2: That's very important. Uh, uh, That's what I think. That's another thing that I love, how they tiptoed around the first movie without messing anything up. That I really appreciate that part. Well, the whole third act of this movie where
4: basically you have the characters from the future Seeing their past selves and, and, you know, going around and doing stuff that has an effect on what they had done in the past. Like, it would have been very easy to screw that well, up.
2: Very easily, yeah. So, I really appreciate that they took their time and made sure that they wrote around everything. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, if he, this happens and we make sure that doesn't mess up the first movie, Aces, good stuff. Good job. Yeah, but
4: that was also probably one of the most fun parts of this movie. Yeah, was getting to see the events of the first movie seen from the same character's perspective in like a different angle or a different yeah. time or like whatever like Marty's rivalry with Biff was even deepened mm-hmm. uh you know in, in, the, in this movie and it was really kind of fun to see Biff kind of like emerge as a, as an even greater antagonist in, in in the series.
2: Yeah. I agree.
4: And they and they even set up everything yeah. uh, for the third film in this movie. Yep. Uh mm-hmm. you know they they set up wild dog Tanner and they talk about the bulletproof vest. They, mm-hmm. they uh, you know, doc has his whole thing about like, you know, the big mystery of the universe, women, and <laughs> stuff like that. So it, it's kind of fun to see his, um, you know, see the evolution and the, the setup and payoff and stuff like that. That just goes into a really well-written story. Yeah. And, and I think that the re one of the reasons I like the sequel so much back to future part two is the fact that it, does everything that a good sequel should and sets up everything for the big finale. And I don't know. I just, I really love this movie.
2: Yeah. It's my favorite of the trilogy. I enjoyed the second half. The first half I could make some changes too, but the overall story, what I really like about this too is like you were saying, they were setting up everything. This felt like they had written the entire script for part two and part three at the same time. And they yeah. made sure everything was mapped out beforehand instead of just like winging yeah, I'm, it. I just,
0: I'm, this isn't my favorite of the three movies. Um, I, in fact, it's my least favorite of the three. But you can definitely tell that they took their time and Mm -hmm. put some work into this. So it all kind of made sense, you know, and and I don't really have an issue with the story or anything. There's just something about it that just doesn't jive with me as Mm -hmm. well. I don't know. But it's weird because, you know, they filmed the second one and the third one back to back. And I, I really enjoyed the third one. Oh, the
2: third one's great! I can't wait yeah. to talk about it. So, uh, speaking of which, so let's do final thoughts. Wrap up part two. Um, Jude, final thoughts on Back to the Future Part Two.
1: You can find me at I am Jude Juju <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter.
2: There you go. All right, <laughs> V, you kind of already gave your your yeah. Final I don't, thoughts, I don't have a whole lot more to add. Okay,
0: it's just you know it's the weakest of the three. Okay, but All it's right. still fun.
2: It's still good. Right on, Kadesh. Uh, any final thoughts you have? You want to uh, polish off part two? Um, I think you're all crazy if you think this is the, the best of the trilogy. Uh-huh. The best? The, really? The best, you are yeah. out oh of
0: God. your mind. Get out of here. I was going to say <laughs> Wonder <laughs> Twin Power, but I don't know. If
2: don't I can...
1: you ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> gonna That's throw,
1: our thing. She's going to throw a star
2: at our, you. Our, yeah, no Wonder Twins thing. for you. No. What, are, what, are we, what else? What are comic book characters? Em. Power
0: of a water bucket. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hey but wonder twins do mastication
4: brother there you go that's
0: that's me whoa i'm the master masticator whoa okay yeah whoa they have have to steal our stuff they're the, the get your own shit yeah get your own shit
2: all right guys before we move on to part three a real quick word from our sponsors Welcome back, everybody, for part three of our Back to the Future Trilogy talk. Um, Real quick, if you guys would like to support the podcast, go to SaltyNerdClub.com. Join our Patreon team there. You can uh, get exclusive access to all kinds of cool stuff like podcasts, pictures, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, our Discord app. You can get access to the Patreon chat room which uh, we're really pushing. If you guys would like to sit down and talk with us or talk nerd mm-hmm. stuff or just join the the community of listeners that we have, uh, go to our Discord. We'd really appreciate it. We'd love to see you there and we would love to chat. It's really it's really kind of weird because there's been
0: a few new people join the Discord and they're like, oh man, you're like a celebrity. It's, yeah. It's so and I'm like, dude. <laughs> Stop your shit right now because I am no celebrity. It's like you're gonna make my head swell up way bigger than like, uh, We well, do all, for real. Also patrons
4: They're, are the only ones who get their names on Batman's package. Yeah.
3: So. Mm-hmm. Right is that there, guys. Is that,
2: a thing? is that what we're doing? It's gonna be a thing. We're God. making it a thing. Oh, there's there's uh there's price of reason. <laughs> there, there, <laughs> there are so many people out there wanting to do the
4: fifty dollar tier just to be on Batman's package. Oh Nick, God, Jesus. Nick and Haas,
2: <laughs> shout out to Haas right there, buddy. Um, no, we have a ton of fun hanging out and chatting with our patrons and our other listeners. So uh, join our discord. And uh, if you want to support us, join our, uh, our salty nerd Cool. All right. Let's get into the movie. Back to the Future, part three. So, uh, to polish off Back to the Future, part two, Doc gets struck by lightning while hovering above Marty uh, after the storm hits the uh, clock tower. 1.21 gigawatts sends him right back to the Old West. 1885. And uh, Marty figures out a way that he has to go back and find the DeLorean that's hidden in a cave. I'm sorry. I'm doing your job for some reason, Jude. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You
1: can if you want to. No, I
2: really, I'm not as good as you. So, i so it you Jude, take it away. I
1: just, I feel like you were just on a roll. Right? I really,
2: to- really like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this might be my favorite one. All right, go ahead, Jude. What happens in, in uh, part three of Back to Future? Well, we have to play the game first, right? Back what game the- is
0: that? How much money did this movie make? Oh, but, she's going to do it. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. The box game. The bo- the box. <laughs>
3: <sighs>
1: Packages oh and boxes. Okay. Back to the Future Part three came out in nineteen ninety. It was rated Peachy with a runtime of one hour fifty eight minutes. All right. With a budget of forty million dollars, which was the same as part two. Yep. What do you think it brought in the box?
2: More than the second one. You do? Yeah.
1: Okay. What was part two? It was three. 3- three thirty something, right? Thirteen or three eighteen?
0: I think this one was better. Okay. So I'm gonna go like three forty. Alex? I agree.
1: Okay, two forty four point five. Uh, oh,
0: we were, we yeah. made less. It
1: did, yeah. <sighs> well, that? I think back the second the... one was so shitty that people didn't want to come out for the
0: third. <laughs> it's back to the future fatigue.
1: Yeah,
3: oh. back to the future fatigue. You blame exactly. Kathleen
2: Kennedy? She produced all you these, you these movies anyway. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's
4: right. Kathleen Kennedy did produce. She did produce all these movies.
3: movies. yeah
1: So (laughs) starting where we left off in 1955, Marty is trapped in the past while Doc was transported even further back in the past by a bolt of lightning to the year 1885. Marty must get the help of the Doc from 1955 to help find the buried DeLorean and restore it the 1885 Doc sends a letter to Marty in 1955 telling him where to find and how to restore the DeLorean with instructions to go back to Marty's own time and destroy the timeline and not to try and rescue him from 1885. Um, So this is Marty's plan until he finds Doc's headstone detailing how Doc dies of a gunshot to the back by Buford Tannen a week after sending Marty the letter. So Marty must now go rescue Doc from Biff's... Early ancestor. Unfortunately, the time machine took an arrow to the fuel line upon re-entry to 1885. So Doc and Marty need to figure out how to get the DeLorean up to 88 miles per hour without using gasoline. And they have to figure it out before they run out of time because Doc is getting shot on Monday.
0: Okay, they made gasoline, right?
2: Well, Well, we discussed this. We, I had a live watch party with a couple of members of Patreon and yeah, uh, yeah. also the League. And we discussed this at length, that if Doc could have made enough moonshine, yeah, which is enough of a, uh, of whatever, the, the igni- uh-huh. ignition temperature would have been able to been suitable for gasoline, uh, he could have used the DeLorean. But Wrong. Because take- they tried that. No, they used whiskey. They didn't use They did moonshine. use
1: whiskey, but I think it takes longer to ferment moonshine than they had.
2: That's, that's what we came to. We said they only had, because
4: basically they had until Monday.
2: Yeah. Uh Yeah. So they, they wouldn't have been able to distill enough of a potent moonshine, which I think can be I think by the time
1: they doc, uh, but by the time Marty found Doc and then they found the DeLorean, they had three days.
2: Yeah. But I'd
4: like to point out that this is another reason why these movies are so well structured is that every single movie has a ticking clock in it. Like they Mm -hmm. have to get something done before a certain period of time in order for it to work. Yeah. And so like whenever you add that kind of time crunch in, into a story, it adds a sense of urgency, a sense, a sense of tension. Exactly. So like uh you know in in the third movie the, the whole kind of time constraint was we got to get it done before Monday cuz that's when you get killed yeah. basically. And uh you know in the first movie it's like we have to have it done before the lightning strikes the clock tower and in the second movie it's basically like the same thing like we have to do this before like the the clock tower gets you know hit by lightning again so i mean like there's so many great elements to these movies that just make them so much fun to watch. And the the whole time constraint thing, like have to get it done before Monday. That,
2: that's one of them. Yeah. For, for me, uh, part three rivals the first movie for being my favorite. Okay. I, th- it's, I think it's solely just the setting. I'm a sucker for a Western.
0: Yeah. I think it's And how when you
2: too. put these beloved characters that I, I've been watching for years and I love them so much and you put them in that Western setting, I just, I fall in love with it. It's so much fun. And I think arguably we, we talked about Biff and the actor who plays him being, so incredibly good at his job at playing this character. I think in the second movie, the futuristic Biff, the 2015 Biff, was kind of annoying, but the alternate 85 Biff, uh, like the Buford. The, yeah, Buford, the. Um...
1: Forfeit? <laughs> What's forfeit? The, Do- the Donald
2: <laughs> Trump, Trump <laughs> version of Biff was whoa, good. Whoa. 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 Oh come on! Like stop it's not. calling him that. It's it is what it is. <laughs> it was the '80s. It was Trump. It was the money man. You know, the casino owner. It was You, it was you Trump. know, the, the funny
4: part about that was that when uh, the hot tub scene where Thomas F. Wilson was Old Biff in the hot tub, yeah, uh, the heat from the water kept melting his prosthetics. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> anyway. Like, all these different versions of Biff. I think Mad Dog, Buford Tannen, is by far... Mad Dog. He pulls, oh, yeah. call pulls dog. it off so yeah, well, man. He nails that role. Yeah. Old Western bully, black hat villain. I freaking love and he, it. And he kind of plays him a little over the top. Oh,
0: of course he does. So, I I, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, what kind
2: yeah. of
1: stupid name is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Clint,
4: Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Can we talk about how Thomas F. Wilson, like, he was the one who ad-libbed the whole, like... Butthead and and make like a tree and get out of here and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like that. that, that? Yeah, that wasn't originally in the script. That was actually like him coming up with that. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Leave (laughs) you idiot. Yeah, because like as a character, he he was he was like, I want to play Biff kind of dumb. Yeah. But at the same time, intimidating. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also funny because like you know Buford, you know Mad Dog Tannen in this one when he's counting to ten, he like forgets what comes after
2: six. (laughs) I love it. Uh, so yeah, that's really what sells me. The setting sells me on this movie. Uh, the uh, Buford mad dog Tannen as a villain sells it for me. Like ZZ top, ZZ top. The music is yeah, amazing yeah. in this episode or in this episode, in this, uh, in this part three, you too, know, what's so. funny
4: about ZZ tops appearance is like, they were just hanging out on set that day <laughs> and, and they were like, Hey, as you bands be? will do. Yeah. Well, they, they were, they were visiting the set. I think they were shooting some type of music. Oh, okay. From, All right. I got um, you. You. But, yeah, but, so. but they were on there and, um, uh, Michael J. Fox was like, "Hey, would you guys get up and like, you know, play a song?"
2: Dun, 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 no, and and it actually dun, turned dun, dun, out dun, like like one
4: of the cameras broke, um, and so like ZZ Top just held like an impromptu like concert uh, <laughs> as as they were trying to fix the camera, and everyone was having so much fun. Robert Zemeckis just was, was hit like, record. Uh, no, he didn't hit record. He was like, "Well, the camera's been fixed for like a few hours, but we're just going to keep you know, going
0: That's
2: on awesome. with this party." Yeah. No, th- like the this party. movie, this movie is so much freaking fun. It's,
0: I would have been happy if they had just skipped part two and just made this part two.
2: Yeah. I mean, it would, they could have made it work too. Yeah. Maybe a yeah. little, did a you little, guys, little adjustments,
0: did yeah. you
4: guys recognize the saloon at all? It was
0: like in every Western ever made saloon. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. No, know. No. Tell pretty us pretty what, what, to what are we supposed to be? Well, th-
4: this was, this was shot on the universal backlot. Okay. obviously. What else was shot on the universal backlot? It was a movie. We've done a podcast about cowboys and aliens. This was mm-hmm. this, that was the same saloon from cowboys and aliens. Get out of here.
2: That's nope. cool. Oh, that is super cool. I love that movie. I know everybody else hates it, but probably, I love them probably movie. in
0: Westworld or something too. You so. think so? I say the same thing.
2: Um, no, I. The, this is like I said, it rivals the first movie for being my favorite. Just the setting and the characters themselves, and and Marty going back to the to the eighteen hundreds. It's just so much freaking fun. Yeah. And we discuss. I mean, this is we're kind of skipping to the end, but the the. Um, Practical sets that they use with the steam train and all that stuff—it's mm-hmm. just—it sells everything about the whole this the
0: whole setup. It's like, okay, well, we got to go around this corner. and It's going to pick up speed. Yeah, it's going to point of no returns right here, and then it's gonna no to and then yeah. it's gonna fall off into the abyss.
2: It, so, yeah, it helps yeah, build yeah. that tension and yeah. everything. So this for me,
1: you're not thinking fourth dimensionally, Marty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This for me is just so much fun, and I think it's it's a a fantastic ending to this trilogy. Well, you also
4: have to point out that so in the second movie. Um, Marty's kind of character art kind of came to an end. Not, not necessarily the whole chicken thing, cause he still has a bit of an arc in, in this movie, but they actually shifted the focus from the McFly's to the Browns in mm-hmm. this film. And mm-hmm. so this is more of Doc's movie than it is right.
2: Marty's. Yeah. And I like that change again. We, I mean, we talked about the recasting and everything, and I, I kind of wish they would have strayed away from using Michael J. Fox so much with all the characters just repeating themselves. It kind of gets tired after a little yeah. while, but I mean, they had to recap there's behind the scenes nonsense that kind of took, effect into that. But uh, V, what about V? I don't know why I keep calling you V. Matt, what did you think about this? Star? <laughs> what did you think about part three of this movie? Part part three is really, like you
0: said, it's it's right there of being my favorite. I mean, it's, it's not going to quite hit that, but I just, I just, this is an enjoyable movie to me. It's like far superior to episode two. Mm-hmm. Or chapter. Part two. Part two. And I don't know why in my head. I just, I just enjoyed it more. hmm I like the story more. I like the setting more. You know, the characters were more fun. Yeah. To me for some reason. And I enjoyed the, the climax with the, with the train and everything. It just, it just was an overall more enjoyable experience than part for two. me, for me to watch them. Part
2: two was. Right yeah. on. Jude, what about you? What do you think about part two or well, I'm thinking part three of uh back to the future?
1: You can find me. No, I'm kidding.
2: Oh, come on.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I like this one too. It's not better than the first one for me. Okay. um, But it's, it's way better than the second one for me, and I lo- I do like all of the old west stuff. I I love the the love story between Doc and Clara. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so adorable. Uh, I'm a sucker for things that are adorable. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love Kadesh. Um, no, I like it. I think it's a well rounded movie. I think it's a complete story. I am probably. If I had never seen the first or second one, I think I would probably be fine just watching this one by itself. Yeah, I like it way better than the second. I love his stupid pink cowboy oh, yeah. outfit <laughs> getting there. You
2: know what I gotta say though is um, my favorite version of the Delorean is the one with the white wall tires. The thing looks freaking slick, dude. I'm <laughs> yeah, tell the, you the, man. those nineteen
4: fifties tires. Yeah, the white wall tires. give me lo-
2: give me that freaking uh, Hot Toys collection. <laughs>
1: I love that. Like Marty is coming from the year um, eighteen eighty five. Like, that's his timeline. So when he, 1985, he gets- 1985. I'm sorry, 1985, yeah. yeah. So when he gets to 1885, what he thinks of as the Old West is like so not correct. And he's like, Clint Eastwood is a badass. Yeah. And fringe and cowboy hat <laughs> and red jeans. Yeah. Like And like, he gets there and he's like, yeah, I I can probably pull this off pretty good. I'm Marty, I'm Marty freaking McFly. And everybody's like, what kind of dork are you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like
4: how he looks at like the frisbee pie pan. Oh, mm-hmm. frisbee. And, and, and far he's out. like far out, and everyone's
2: like, what's the big
1: Leah uh, Thompson goes, it was right in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just right little on. things like that. It's a good story, right?
2: Uh, Kadesh, what are your thoughts on uh, part three of back to the future? So this is my least favorite of the trilogy.
1: You
4: are a
1: crazy person.
4: (laughs) Yeah, for me, it goes two, one, three. Wow. Um, But uh, (laughs) I I think that the reason I I don't like it as much is the fact that the focus is more on Doc than Marty. Marty's always been the protagonist kind of carrying us through. Uh, The Old West setting, you know, like the filmmakers specifically just use this as an excuse because they wanted to do a Western. Um, I, I feel like the Old West setting is so vastly different from what we've had before. That's what I love about it. Yeah. I mean, like, it works for some people. For me, personally, like, I would have rather seen something different. You know, the original concept for this was they were going to go back to ancient Rome. Um, Oh, that's a bit much. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) It it really was. But, uh, you know, the the whole movie being set in the Old West, it was interesting. But, like, I, I was never into it as much as the future stuff. Like, I really enjoyed the future stuff a lot more than going back to the past. So for me, like, this is just not a movie that, when I think of the Back to the Future trilogy, like, this is kind of, like, in the back of my mind as opposed to the other two films. Wow. That's
2: very good. I have
0: a question. Yeah,
3: what's so, up?
1: So, it's for Kate oh, Okay. okay. Um, so when you see a movie that's set in the future that has already passed in our timeline, do you get irritated by it being incorrect, or do, do you get a kick out of it?
4: I get a kick out of it. Okay. Like, that I, makes sense. Like, I actually, I like... Like for that instance, the wrong answer. When, when we watch, uh, you know, um, you know, escape from New York or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like the far future of 2000. Or even Blade Runner now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blade Runner is set in the past yeah. now for us. Like, like to me, I, I find that endearing because I can remember as a kid watching this stuff and, and having like that far future of 2015 and yeah. stuff yeah. like that. You, you know, it's, it's something that's kind of kitschy to me because it, it's, it's like, it's a snapshot of what we used to think the future would be like. So to me, that doesn't, that, that's not a bothersome thing. I, I wonder, think
1: we're all supposed to be like cyborgs and cannibals by now. Oh, I, wonder,
0: <laughs> I wonder if you did like, if you went back and you looked at like all the movies that were made in like 60s and 70s and even the 80s. If you could like make a list of movies set in the future that got the most stuff correct. Hmm.
2: Star Trek. Communicators. Oh,
0: cause Star Trek, because we're still 200 years from okay. Star Trek.
2: We're getting there, though. But um, yeah, I guess Blade Runner would be the Blade Runner and... Angry Red Planet. Angry Red Planet. There we go. I'd have to think about that. Yeah, but you I, idiots I, I, I bet keep asking kinda, me
1: to go get you sandwiches.
0: <laughs> like 2001, 2010, The Space Odyssey. You know, those kind of movies. You know, like legit... Like yeah, we have space AI. Space exploration and movies, that yeah. kind of
4: stuff. Alien. <laughs> I, I don't know. So, <laughs> but you know the part in this movie where uh, basically the, the mayor shows up. Yeah, yeah, And Doc Brown is, you know, kind of buddy-buddy with the mayor. They tried to get Ronald Reagan to come and, and play the mayor because oh, the great Reagan was a huge fan of the the first movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they referenced him in the first movie and so they thought it'd be fun to kind of convince him. Because he's an actor. Yeah, he used to be an actor. Kind of convince him to come out of retirement and do it, but at the time he was suffering from um, Alzheimer's Alzheimer so badly oh, that he had he, he basically he passed up he passed up the offer. Um, but I think uh, Reagan, like if, if if he if he had had a cameo in this movie that as the mayor, been, that would have been, so been great. That would have
3: been yeah. awesome.
2: All right. Uh, okay. So I'm just going to talk about my favorite moments uh, in this movie. I think we could discuss the whole setting. I really love the setting. I think um, Mad Dog Tannen is by far the best villain. I don't. I, I,
4: lo- I love where he's trying to schedule killing Marty. Yeah. <laughs> How about Monday? Are we I, doing
1: anything Monday? I, I
2: do my killing before breakfast. Oh yeah. Well. I do my killing after breakfast. And then he,
1: he like makes his cohorts get up early. He's like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the villain in this movie is probably by far my favorite out of even the first one. Uh, Biff was great in all three, but this one to me really stands out as the as the black hat villain cowboy. Um, and uh, I just... You want to hear something interesting about
4: Mad Dog Tannen? Tell me something interesting.
1: Is he a real person in history?
4: No, he's not. Oh. But so in the, in the original um, cut of this movie... Mad Dog Tannen kills Marshall Strickland by shooting him in the back, like straight up murders him. Okay. And um, they decided it was too dark for what they wanted to have in this movie, so they cut it out. And that's why Strickland's deputy is the one who arrests him at the end instead of Marshall Strickland coming back, is
2: because in the original cut, Strickland was dead. dead. So I know, I heard there was a uh, yeah, deleted scene about that, but yeah, cool, right on. Uh, you guys wanna hear something else very interesting about this movie? Yes.
3: Yeah.
2: Michael J. Fox almost died while filming the uh, oh, yeah. hanging scene at the clock tower. Oh my
4: God. It, yeah. It, it, it was like uh, what happened to Brendan Fraser on The Mummy. Yep. Where basically they, oh,
2: were, really? they were hanging. Yeah. yeah. So they had That's Michael crazy. J. Fox, they had the thing around his, you know, like the harness that, that held his weight. Well, the harness had too much slack in it. So when, oh, they, when they lifted him up, they actually lifted him by his throat. So when you see the scene in the movie of <laughs> Michael J. Fox like choking and turning purple, Perfect, legit it's legit choking. He actually, I think he <laughs> passed out. Yeah, he did. He, I believe he passed out during that scene and they didn't know that he, was act, he wasn't he was acting until after they called cut and he didn't move. And they were like, oh shit, <laughs> we, get That's, him down, get him you down. You know what, I hear so many. <laughs> get this many... man a Pepsi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so many of these stories were like, They thought he was just acting like like Brandon Lee.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. And
1: I I feel like hopefully like movie people have (laughs) created like a hand signal to go with like I'm dying. Like (laughs) I'm not acting. Like hopefully like, okay, here's our safe word. It's I, this.
3: I know. If you're
1: dying, do this.
2: For the most part nowadays, I think they almost exclusively go with stunt actors for those kinds of scenes. I think um, you're right. Unless, um, unless you're Tom Cruise, unless you're Tom Cruise <laughs> or another actor who like just insists on doing the action themselves. Like I know Tom Bruce, Cruise.
0: I'm going to space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm waiting for that to happen. I know he, he no, broke it's his. Happening. It's happening. Is it? Yeah. Is that official? That's real.
1: I don't need no helmet either. <laughs> Good I'm for Tom him. Cruise. I'm
2: gonna breathe in space. <laughs> I'm the Maverick. He's a psychopath. <laughs> he's awesome. Um, yeah. So that was an interesting, like, in the. If
1: anyone in our time has actual superhero powers, or superpowers, it's Tom Cruise.
2: Oh, he's a vampire. We've discussed this before. No, dude, it's
0: the Scientology. Oh, shh. We're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get us canceled. <laughs> the aliens from Xenu, dude. Dude's like, we're going to be killed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't say nothing. To Chris. <laughs> we'll have Leah Romina uh, on the show.
2: Vader, what, what's your uh, standout moments for part three? Oh, probably the end, like I said. The train? The train scene. God, oh, yes. the train's so good, dude. Yeah, it's really good. I love that it's practical and that they use like a full-size train for most of the uh-huh. scenes. And then for the big crash, they use a miniature, which I think, I mean, especially in the ni- like 1990 when this movie came out, there's no way that they would have been able to pull that off of CGI. Yeah, the, the
0: train scene and... You know, like you said, Buford, he cracks me up. It's, yeah, It's just,
4: it's a fun movie. Yeah.
2: The 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 references to uh, old Clint Eastwood movies in this one was really yeah. great too. Did, like you,
4: the- did you guys know as much like the Twin Pine Mall going from you know, Twin Pine to Lone Pine, mm-hmm. uh, when he emerges um, in the future of 1985, it goes from Clayton Ravine to, to Eastwood. Eastwood. Clint Eastwood Ravine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, they even asked Clint Eastwood before they shot this movie, they're like, is it okay if we use your name? Well,
1: they learned their lesson from the <laughs> well, well, no, the, the this, hap-
4: this happened you know, concurrently, but like, they just went to Clint Eastwood and they were like, hey, is it cool if we reference you? And Eastwood was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> go <laughs> ahead. Make my it's day. Okay. Make my day.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm the pill rider. I, you. I love Jude, What are your uh, general so thoughts on part three, and what are your favorite moments?
1: You already asked me that.
2: Did I? Yeah. Oh gosh, I'm getting confused. I'm sorry. Kadesh, what about you? Well, you already said too, didn't you? Not really. No. Okay. No, because I
0: hate this movie. <laughs> I actually He's my least favorite. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: I actually, I, I really enjoy the, the stuff in the town. Okay. Um. You, you know, like you see, like all these little things, like for instance, the manure company, um,
2: in A Jones, in, in, yeah,
3: in, yeah, In
4: 1885, it's A Jones. In 1955, it's D Jones. <laughs> so, like, you know, like it's a family business. The yep. manure company. Uh, you've I got manure. You've, you've got the. There's a horse dealership uh, that's owned by the Statlers. Oh, in yeah. 1885 Five, Statler and Toyota. And then there's Statler right? Toyota in 1985 yeah. and 1955 Statler Motor uh, Studebakers. Um, so like the, there's just a lot of like the saloon is, is where like the diner is and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So there's just like a lot of like little stuff that's like, you know, consistent throughout, you know, all three of these movies. That's like a lot of fun to watch. Um, the, the moonwalking scene where Buford's making uh Michael Jackson or Marty McFly dance. And he's like, you know, uh, doing the moonwalk, Yeah, yeah he's, he's like, <laughs> dance, run, dance, dance, <laughs> And Marty just starts doing the moonwalk and everyone's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, I also like the part where uh, Mc, uh, Marty is having like his little standoff during like the party, um, like the big unveiling of the clock tower. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he ca- kind of says something to the guys and Biff is like, that's mighty strong language there. <laughs> you know, oh yeah. He, yes. he, hey, lighten
1: nut <laughs>
2: jerk.
4: <laughs> and he looks at his friends
2: like, what did he just say to me?
3: <laughs> yeah,
4: like they're, they're totally confused.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but then he's like, "That's not a strong language from <laughs> a runt <laughs> like you." <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: it's good. This movie is just so much fun, dude, from beginning to end. I have a and Doc's a ice blast. machine. Oh yeah, the giant mechanism <laughs> ice that creates tree? ice. Tree. <laughs> and he's so satisfied with himself when he holds his little glass up. He's so like, ah, I, I did it.
4: I, w- I want to know how at the end of the movie when the train version of the time machine shows up, all they needed to do to travel back in time was harness steam power. <laughs> That's I, how that works? So no, no no plutonium? I mean, we're cutting uh, way to the end here. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But I guess the only thing I can think of is he built a train that was capable of going 80 miles an hour, and then he managed to get into the future. And then once he was but, in the future... Don't, don't you
4: need plutonium to, to get the flux capacitor to flux?
3: Flux capacitor. I don't know or how fluxing?
2: he. I don't know how he made a flux capacitor in 1885. Anyway, unless he. Well, okay. he, well he had to have. Hold on! No, no, no! Hold on! Because they took. There's two DeLoreans mm-hmm. in the 1885 timeline. Yeah,
4: but if he messed with that one that he left for Marty, then Marty would have never gotten
2: it. Unless he did it after Marty left. Um,
4: well, no. You, you needed to keep. Mm-mm. You needed to keep that one that was in the mine there pristine for Marty to use in order
2: to him for him to come back. Uh, Plottle. We found another plot hole. Oh my God, nerds. <laughs> nerds. Nitpicking nerds. <laughs> uh,
4: Unless he somehow mined for uranium and was able to, you know, make it himself. I don't but know, like, I don't know, like, how. <laughs> it's Tom, it's Tom you,
2: Brown, man. I don't know. This, I this mean, we have done. trains
1: now that go 200 miles an hour. So, yeah, I mean, he, if uh, anybody could figure it out in 1885,
2: it would be Doc Brown.
1: Dr.
4: Emmett Did, did, did you guys know Brown. that the original time machine was supposed to be a refrigerator?
2: Yeah, they talked about doing all different things. I'm really glad that they went with a car. Yeah, basically it was like this
4: (laughs) this chamber that you'd be in that was a refrigerator and they had to be at a nuclear blast site. In fact, they took the idea and put it uh, in the um, kind of spec script for this mythical movie that, you know, is was supposed to have been made but never exist existed called Indiana Jones 4. What it, what is this? What I, is this I, I I know. It's something I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking, talking about either. This is
2: a, it, this movie doesn't exist.
4: No, it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> but but the idea was repurposed for the idea for this movie. Wow.
2: What a terrible idea what, that what, would be that would have been if horrible. anybody ever stop made it.
1: it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop <laughs> she's it. She's going
2: full WandaVision. She's
1: just <laughs> <laughs> glitching out. <laughs>
2: That's right. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. This is like right there. This is above number two for me. I love the setting. I love everything about it. Um, Doc Brown's love relationship. We should talk about that for a minute. Jude, you mentioned that early on that you love that aspect. Clara Clayton. Clara and Doc Brown. Mary madly in love. Mm-hmm. This is Doc At Brown's... first sight. His biggest mystery of the universe is women and... <laughs> He learns all about them in this movie Mm -hmm. and about love and all that stuff. So we we also get to
4: see Doc's drinking problem.
2: (laughs) 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 One whiskey and that's it. That's all he can handle.
4: (laughs) And
1: what was in that sober up drink? Oh, bunch of hot sauce. It
2: was Tabasco sauce. It was coffee, coffee, salt. Um, What else did they put out there? Huh?
1: P.S. No, uh, pickle juice. Pickle juice.
2: Pickle juice was the other one. Yeah, it was a weird concoction. It's called wake up juice, right? Yeah, yeah. And he looked so excited when he was like, oh, we're going to make some wake up juice. Uh Like, how many times have you done this? He
1: never gets to.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's like that once a year thing where he has to wake somebody up. (laughs) It was weird.
1: All Uh, he gets to do is just like shine a glass. With with a rag <laughs> and like throw a bottle to it, the uh, end of the bar. What did
2: uh, what did Marty ask for when he first got to the bar? Ice like, water, ice water. And Come they, on, like, man. We don't serve ice water here. We serve whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels like the podcast. Like that, I, that guy. I, I should, do. I do love how throughout the entire series, like they're just
4: product placing. Pepsi yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like Pepsi free that doesn't even exist anymore it's now like caffeine free Pepsi
2: uh-huh. yeah you know, and stuff like that well Mark uh, uh Michael J Fox was like a huge spokesperson for yeah Pepsi, right? yeah he was yeah. he was their primary spokesperson yeah. tab tab, tab. <laughs> right. I'll have a tab I can't get you a tab until you order something kid <laughs> right. they don't make tab anymore no, they, thank god they make an energy drink called tab don't they it's I a know. different thing I don't think it's Pepsi anymore though Anyway, all right, that's enough. Gosh, I feel like we're kind of shorthanding this, poor, this part I, I, I don't. It's my favorite one, but
0: what else is there to talk about? We've talked about it in the, when we're talking about the other movies.
4: Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, all these movies follow the same basic yeah. story structure. Yeah. They have all the same basic characters. They have all the basic same set pieces, pretty much. Yeah. You know, like, just, they're, they're, they're all, like, the, the exact same story, just told in a slightly different way. And uh, I, I do think that this was a fitting kind of ending to the saga, Uh, the the trilogy. Um, Yeah. You know, I just personally, I, I didn't think the old West thing worked for me.
2: Oh, I love it, but I will say this. There's one thing that I wish they wouldn't have done. I don't like doc Brown with the magic train time machine at the end. I really, I really feel like they would have been better suited to just leave doc Brown living his life with his family and have Marty find out about that. Like they did with the, with the letter like he sends him a photo with his family and a letter and it's like voiceovered by Christopher Lloyd. And it's oh, just like, know. Hey, Marty, I've always, I've always kind of liked that. The train thing, but he, he was like upset that he invented just, the time machine. Yeah, he wanted ending. it destroyed. He wanted to destroy it because he was causing too many problems, but then he goes back and makes another one. It just, to me, like, I understand why they did it. Cause they wanted like that whole, like, you know, the, the adventure continues kind of yeah. aspect to it. But I felt like, it was off character for him and i i think it was a little high hija- like a little bit too much of a stretch can we for talk, me.
4: can we talk about Flea for a second
2: <laughs> the red hot chili peppers guy
4: uh-huh yeah okay he he was needles yeah 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 so that was kind of marty's big arc was like they introduced in the second movie this character trait of him people can't call him chicken yeah. because like he refuses to, he doesn't do want to be seen thing. as a coward. Yeah. He, he doesn't want to be seen as a coward. I think that that kind of stems from him seeing his father being picked on his whole life, <sighs> that type of thing. Um, of course they, they could have set that up a little bit better. <laughs> um, and it would have been nice if that had been in the first movie too. But uh, we, we kind of see in the future of 2015, how that type of thing uh, ruins his life where like, you know, he keeps getting goaded into doing bad stuff by being called a chicken. And finally, he overcomes this in his showdown with, you know, Buford Tannen. Yeah, and uh, it it's a good like kind of end to that character arc, and then finally we see him make the right decision where it influences his future for the better. And in a weird way, it's almost like there, there's this hand of fate in these movies that is kind of taking st- stuff that's been broken and fixing it, and it, it's it's a very heartwarming kind of. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so fun to watch these movies because they just make you feel good. Yeah, it's a nice life lesson. Every, every, everything ends up okay. That's one.
2: That's actually one of my favorite lines in this movie too. Where everybody's like, "If if you don't go out there, you're going to be labeled a coward forever." And he's like, "He's an asshole." You know, like, that's <laughs> yeah. a great line, and it's a great life lesson for like you don't have to get goaded in by people to do things that you don't want to do or that you know is going to go wrong. Like just. Ignore them and move on. I mean, it's it's prevalent today. It's prevalent back in the eighties. It's a it's a good life lesson, and I like the I, the character arc that Marty had.
0: I like these movies because it's one of the well. I mean, there's plenty plenty of them, but it's it's a it's a series of movies that everybody can enjoy, and you can sit down and you can watch with your kids. Yeah, and everybody have fun and get something out of it. You know, and can't do that with a lot of different movies these days.
2: So yeah. Yeah, they all have too many f bombs and yeah. sexual innuendos. Like if, if,
0: if my kids came down for a visit, I would have no problem sitting <laughs> down and yeah, watching and these and movies. In fact, well. yeah. Bob Gale, I think,
4: you know, he was asked what he thought of Rick and Morty, which is kind of like a cartoon take on oh, these yeah, characters for sure. And he he was like, "It's it's too R rated for my like." Oh yeah, and, and you know, all three of these movies were PG. They're all very mm-hmm. family friendly, with the exception of a few like curse words, yeah. or whatever. But there's there's no like hardcore violence or sex or anything like that. And I thought that was a very interesting take coming from him because, you know, because these movies are so accessible to people of all ages and families and stuff like that, they get so much more play than right. something that would be like rated R.
2: Imagine that guys. Yep. Imagine being able to be listened to by everybody.
0: PG movies are good. They've done well. <laughs> yeah. Star Trek should should take note. I think. <laughs>
2: Podcast too.
0: Hmm.
2: Hey, I we get had- it. All <laughs> I've been really good today. You have been. You guys have been great. I haven't masticated right. once. Okay. All right, guys. Let's polish this up. Uh, let's just do final thoughts on the whole trilogy. For me, I absolutely love this trilogy. It is a staple of my nerd fandom uh, and of my life. And I look forward to passing on this trilogy to my kids and being able to watch it with them and and so on and so forth. I think it's classic. I I one hundred percent truly appreciate the fortitude that the producers have of not passing this off to some studio just to make a, a buck on a freaking sequel or a reboot or nothing like they're holding tight to this treasure and they're not letting anybody abuse it and I absolutely love them for that that is the one thing that I think uh, Hollywood and studios themselves need to learn from is like when you have this perfect little franchise don't just go selling it for a dollar and ruining it and end up having people like dilute the dilute it down to something not that it's it's not worthy of so uh, Lucasfilm, take note. <laughs> uh, Vader, what's your thoughts on this uh, final trilogy? Well, on no, the uh, Back to the Future trilogy? Um,
0: I think I already kind of said everything I needed to say. It's a, they're good films. They're enjoyable. They're fun, wholesome family entertainment. You yeah. know, they're they're just what they are. They're good. Yeah. You know, they're they're not top tier for me, but like I said before, but it, th- they're classics. Right and on. you know, you can I can sit here and I c- I can watch these movies anytime without hesitation.
2: Right on. So, Jude, thoughts on the uh, Back to the Future trilogy? Is it going to continue on in your in your life, and you're just going to continue to watch it over and over again, and never get tired of it? Um, I
1: I watch the first one routinely. Um, I don't think I watch two and three hardly ever. <laughs> um, but for me, it goes one three two.
2: Yeah, I agree I'm with Jude. Same. Uh, Kadesh, final thoughts on the trilogy of Back to the Future?
4: Um, I think that these are amazing movies. It's a top tier trilogy uh people who just love to be entertained and people who like to study storytelling and filmmaking and stuff like that like i do um you could do worse than the back to the future trilogy like mm. like this really is a masterclass in how to tell a long form trilogy how to plan out a trilogy how to you know do character arcs right how to do comedy how to do family friendly stuff like there how to do adventure films, how to, you know, introduce set up and payoff, how to introduce uh, obstacles to your characters. Like everything that you need to know as a storyteller is in these three films. And so like, I, I feel like, you know, I should be watching these movies once a year, at least just to remind yourself, <laughs> just to remind myself, but also just to enjoy everything. Cause these, these are such classic movies. You can watch these three movies, at any point any number of times and be as entertained the 32nd time you've seen it as you were the first time. And so I would highly recommend them to anyone out there who hasn't seen them. Right on.
2: All right, guys, that's it for our Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. Real quick, before we get out of here, if you would like to support this podcast, go to our Discord there. You can chat with us, Salty Nerd Podcast on Discord. You can find our server and hang out. Leave us reviews. Leave us reviews on iTunes, or if you want to actually support the podcast financially and uh, help us get our equipment set up and ready to go so that we can do uh, live podcasts on YouTube, go to saltynerdclub.com and join our awesome Patreon team. There, you will get exclusive access to extra podcasts, behind-the-scenes photos, Batman's package, package, (laughs) advanced show show notes, and all kinds of cool stuff. So, that's com. All right, before we leave, uh, where can we find everybody on the social, starting with the Barbarian Space Liking? Where can they find you at? Um, I am out there at MattVader74 on um, Twitch, playing some games,
0: and uh, the Twitter, and the... YouTube? YouTube, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make really terrible videos there. <laughs> and uh, um, what else? Instagram sometimes. Parlor, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. Wherever. <laughs> Is Is that you, parlor I'm, yeah, it's, kind uh, of. Yeah, I don't know. It's, they're don't working know. their setup.
2: Yeah. Uh, Jude, where can they find you at?
1: You can find me at I Jude Juju on Instagram and
2: Twitter. Right on. And Matthew Kadish, where can they find you? You can find me at Matthew Kadish, K-A-D-I-S-H
4: on Twitter. And kadishbooks.com if you want to check out my books on Amazon.
2: Right on, guys. And I am the Salty Nerd, your host, and you can catch me on Discord, mostly. Go to Discord. Go to our server, and uh, I'll get a notification when you show up, and I will be able to chat with you and talk well, about movies and all kinds of cool stuff and they podcasts. Have, they have to know
0: where to go to get an invite for Discord.
2: No, they can pop in. It's a public server, and then I'll give them a roll. So it it's, yeah, it's a whole cool thing. Yeah. Try it out, man. Discord's awesome.
0: Discord's awesome. Put I'm it. an admin on our Discord. Yes, you are. I didn't know you could do that. Yep.
2: There's all kinds of cool stuff you can do on Discord. And we're also doing watch parties on Discord. So if you'd like to join us at least once a week, we're going to sit down and watch a movie with a bunch of other supporters and listeners. So go to uh, our Discord and hang out. All right, guys, signing off. Salt and your podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.